Welcome to 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back. This is Connor Lestoka. This is the podcast where me and Mike Nelson read bad books together with all of you all. And Mike, we are in the middle, well, past the middle, of Artemis by Andy Weir, the penultimate Artemis episode. And the capering is ratcheting up. So much capering, so much sciencing the shit out of things. Is that what it was? Yes. I'm going to science the... That's the that, crap out of this, or did they actually use that's the, the yeah science the shit out of things is the line from his good book, the Oscar nominated The Martian, and we've been reading. I, I saw heavy, heavy scare quotes around good book, <laughs> right? I'm supposed to see those, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that's yeah, the okay. we're we're peeling back the the Oz like veneer on this guy uh, to to just like Ernest Klein, who wrote a second bad book. I think there's been uh, some revisionist history, at least uh, among some of our readers who have read both of them. I like to think that we are uh, Toto the dog mm-hmm. pulling back the, uh, we bark, we run up, we're adorable, we fit in picnic baskets, and then we run up and pull the curtain on yeah. the great and powerful Oz. Someone has to have written a terrible book that's the Oz told from Toto's perspective, <laughs> yes. right? We could cover that. I mean, isn't there a musical probably called Toto or something? <laughs> I mean, he's, uh, oh, he's... And it's not about the band Toto? That's the weird thing about it. Yeah, a jukebox musical that's just uh, <laughs> Rosanna in Africa ten times yes. each. With uh, a little dog singing all the songs. <laughs> Make that play! Go! Oh, yes, go do it. All right. Well, so, yeah, we're deep into this book. Do you want to give the update on what this book is about and where we are in the plot? Sure. It's on the moon. We've, we've been on the moon the entire time, but our lead character, Jazz Bashara, is a 27-year-old woman written by a man in his 50s who wears a flat cap who... <laughs> <laughs> important plot detail and, and glasses with no uh no f- no frame glasses right that kind of like, it's very I, important I'm just pointing out yes yes just just look them up is all <laughs> she's been uh she's a rapscallion on the moon who's desperate to uh, obtain a, a better standard of living where she has her own shower um that's so that's the stakes we're at and she's gotten involved in some espionage to try to take over the production of oxygen on the moon in uh People have ended up dying at the hands of the mob, uh, and now they're after her. But she's currently been on the run from a couple different people, including the uh, Super Mountie, uh, who's the lone law enforcement on the moon, other than mob justice. And the last chapter ended with the president of the moon, who's from Kenya, uh, pulling a, a gun on her uh, during some sort of um, you know noir-esque encounter at her, in her office. Yes, and we should point out our heroine, our protagonist, uh, Jazz Bashara. I believe right? so, yeah. Um, is also, in some way, as they used to say in the old days, as my father might have said, is a loose woman. <laughs> it's... I, it I, comes up a lot, and and I don't I don't know what to. We'll deal with it during this episode because she, I I feel like it's such a a theme. And it's baffling to me, but it, anyway, that that is what uh, self-proclaimed. It I'm, does come I'm, up a lot. It does, come, and I I wouldn't be surprised if this author used that term himself. Uh, you know, as a fifty-year-old <laughs> man in 2017 when he wrote it, correct, being used by it. Also, by the way, it is mid 2080s on the moon too. So, yeah, that's kind of important for this character. But yeah, that that it does come up a lot, and just even. Re- 
recounting the plot out loud. It's it's absurd to me that this is something we've been reading with a bunch of other people for <laughs> 70,000 words at this point in time. Because it has not been good. And a lot of the things that make it not good rear their head time and time again in this chapter. Mainly, there's the sciencing the shit out of things. Um, where we, we called it the science trough, where he just sort of opens that up in the middle of, you know, infantile dialogue and sort of confusing action to just tell you about melting points of uh, noble gases. <laughs> but yeah, also, I feel like, yeah. yeah, if he had, he had like sort of kidnapped his people to read his book, you know, and had their arms lashed behind chairs, he would hold up, you know, a bowl of science to their mouth and go, eat piggy. <laughs> Here's some science. This is what you like, isn't it? Right, or that, or uh, if he's tr- okay, I'll eat it. <laughs> if he's trying to get information, he could be like, "All right, you uh, you want to tell me where the where the bomb is located? I'll never tell. Well, maybe I should read to you about the uh, you know, welding uh, welding thicknesses <laughs> of different grades of steel. Like, oh, okay, okay, I'll talk. it's in I'll the talk. firehouse. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. All right, so we're on uh, we're on chapter eleven. <laughs> yes, and chapter eleven uh, starts with. Uh, Jazz saying, a gun, I said. How did you get a gun into the city? I never smuggle weapons. Which, compared to the way we started our last section, which was uh, he looked at me like he had a dick growing out of his forehead. Uh, just low, you know, grade C minus stuff, I'd say. Yeah, I was hoping each uh, opening sentence would ramp up from there. But yeah. uh, no, this is pretty... Two dicks! Did... Yes. <laughs> Next chapter? Uh, I don't know. Three? (laughs) Uh, And and then it came up quickly uh, that a a line that a lot of people wrote in to object to because she says, uh, you know, you you do have to drop that knife you're holding because she had pulled, Jazz had pulled a knife out of her boot. And she said, I did what I was instructed. The knife floated down to the floor, which a lot of people wrote in about. A lot of people wrote in in general objecting to some of the... um, you know, we can call it nitpicking. That's what it was. But just <laughs> someone even calculated. I have it right here. A listener named Craig calculated when how the knife would fall compared to Earth. Because people were like, oh, like you wouldn't describe it as floating. She's lived here since she could remember things. Like the knife just falls. Like it's <laughs> it's not like it's notable to her that it's floating slightly fat, slightly slower. Yeah, she's born here. So things fall. Like, yes. You know, if you, uh, you know, a, a child drops a cup and then goes hey that went slightly slower they would not know you know <laughs> but it very is so this is uh craig wrote in about this uh and i'm just going to take him at his word at it because it sounds fine he says uh i know he's trying to insert another gravity is different on the moon observation this one bothered me enough that i pulled out a physics textbook and worked out how fast it would take for a knife to hit the floor on birth the earth and the moon after being dropped from about waist height on earth it would take less than half a second to hit the ground 0.4 seconds on the moon it would take a little over a full second, 1.05 seconds. <laughs> so on Earth, that's the same amount of time to fall as it would as if you dropped a knife from the top of a two-story ladder, like 18 to 19 feet. If you've ever been on a ladder and dropped something like a knife off of it, you wouldn't ever describe it as floating down to the ground. Nobody would, except Andy Weir. <laughs> so that's nice. I can deal with that type of nitpicking. It's fascinating. <laughs> well, he's the one who brought it up. It's his deal. He brought it up three dozen times by this oh, point. Oh, my now. God. But it's And it continues. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about it. Yes. Uh, but um, I, I just, this stuff did not intrigue me, this weird Batman villain thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pointing a gun at you, and you are my enemy. Oh, how am I your enemy? Well, 
It's kind of vague. Let me explain. <laughs> yes, right. Will you shoot me? Um, not really sure. Uh, kind of like you, but don't let you know. It's just it is so badly done. Yeah, and then they start talking She's about no fiber danger, optic wasn't... cable. Yeah, yes. It's, it's, <laughs> There's no the, Andy Weir is not good at what we call in the business stakes. Yes, there are really like low stakes in this. Yeah, because the, first of all, you know, Jazz doesn't really like her life. Like, go ahead and shoot me. I don't care. I'm a, a whore. You know, she constantly. <laughs> so the stakes are pretty low. Like to even care about her. Right, and as someone else wrote in, that also might have been the same guy, Craig, doing the economics calculation. The stakes are low. She was doing this for what, like. $70,000, I think, he determined yes. that the inflation rate of you know the, the million slugs would be on the moon at this point in time. So, again, you know, money that I would gladly accept uh, if someone wanted to give to me. But she's, you know, she's decided to potentially burn it all down and risk exile to uh, back to Saudi Arabia for that type of money. So, <laughs> yeah. And then then it gets into the nuts and bolts. Of, oh, she actually says it. I was just kind of kidding. But she says, uh, if this is turning into a you have so much potential lecture, just shoot me instead. OK. <laughs> uh, and she was grandmotherly holding a gun. But right. then they get into like um, uh, jazz says like, hey, it doesn't the economy work. Don't uh, the roads uh, are filled with goods and workers going yes. into the city, you know, basically. <laughs> and she's like, oh, no, that's just. That just covers. That barely makes our nut. It's she describes. She says the whole system has the system. The moon economics on Artemis, like, uh, it's become a Ponzi scheme, and we're cresting the top just now. She says that people move there with their life savings and spend it there, but then like they don't have any more room, I guess. So like they, <laughs> the the Ponzi scheme, like any good one has, has topped out at around two thousand people. So they really, <laughs> again, did not dream big when they decided to set up a Ponzi scheme on the moon. You'd think you'd. Hopefully, wanted to scale just a bit more than the, uh, you know, uh, Saudi welding guild and stuff. Yeah, it seems like uh, Nugi. How how are you pronouncing Nugi? I don't know. Oh, uh, I haven't even tried. Yeah, she had, it seems like she had more potential in Kenya. I don't know. Like <laughs> yeah, <the moon. laughs> Kenya's a, a wide open place, pretty beautiful. I'm sure there's a lot of chances to like run scams there <laughs> that uh, would work out way better than this moon crap. But she had already. I mean, they they talked about the buy. They got a buy in from uh, you know three dozen at least countries to establish the space center in Kenya because of the low gravity or whatever. So like a masterful, you know, inter, you know, national conglomerate she established, but then got to the moon and was like, I don't know. Uh, let's just run a Ponzi scheme up here. It's like, you can just call, you know, old people and, and threaten them for their credit card information. Like that's, that'd probably be a little easier. Like the Nigerians had that figured out a hundred years ago. Yeah, I have a nice uh, mint julep at 11 a.m. and just start calling, you know, it's, it's fine. Um, we brought it up a lot on this show. I'm sorry for that. Um, we're unabashed Norm fans, but she does go full Norm McDonald here. Oh, really? Yeah, you, you might have missed this, so I'll, I'll just read it as this is Jazz talking to Nuji. Uh, damn, you're, uh, you're good at this. You created an economy for Kenya. Now you're doing it for us. You're a true hero. I should... Has it really be more great? Oh, that's right. You fucking sold me out. <laughs> oh, my God. It just yeah. winds up to just a terrible joke. Yes, <laughs> yes. And uh, I feel like that it's in the habit of doing that. That and the uh, Gilligan's Island. I'm not doing oh that. Oh, my God. Bong. That comes up another Cut to them doing times. it. Um, and then uh, the uh, sort of Martian-y... Uh, 
I prefer not to do that because that can cause side effects such as dying horribly. <laughs> yes, all, there's like 20 of those in here. Oh, those are so irritating. But what, Nugent, what the president has essentially been saying is that since the, uh, uh, since the Ponzi scheme is topping out at the 2000 population is that this Zaffo fiber optic cable, uh, which sounds very funny to say it out loud, is the key to their, uh, to the moon's continued financial survival, which like, I, you know, I guess... I don't know why they need it to keep surviving. Like it seems like you could just pack up and leave and, um, you know, let whoever wants to take over here. Like no one's going to be really that put out if they have to go back to earth. It's not like they've established that earth is, you know, polluted or overrun. Like, you know, you can't go outside on the moon either. So that wouldn't even be a big deal if it was slightly more polluted, but, um, that's why they, they need this cable. Um, and that's why people are willing to kill for it essentially. Well, don't they say that it can only be manufactured on the moon? Because there's uh, yes. something about, correct me if I'm wrong, I think there's something about the gravity is different on the moon. It or something is, like it is. It, it's picked up on that. Uh, it's like in the subtext of the book, really. But, but it's really, <laughs> yeah. But they, so they can manufacture it there. But, yes. but it is pretty funny. Like, I mean, you watch, uh, I think we brought it up in, the, in previous episodes, the, um, uh, what's the Jack Nicholson uh, noir oh, yeah. movie? Yep. Uh, Chinatown. Yeah. Uh, water is the thing there. <laughs> Somehow they make that work. The, the cable thing doesn't really <laughs> doesn't have the same force as water rights in uh, L.A. Which uh, water rights in L.A. are an actual thing that's based on history. This uh, pretty pretty. Uh, yeah, I, I also have to imagine that you know in the in, in my uh, lifetime and in, in not even my lifetime since I since I went to college and now like the internet and fiber optic cables have improved. You know, by a by a factor of a hundred, probably. So uh, you got to imagine by twenty eighty, there's going to be probably some pretty good stuff happening on the Earth. So it probably is going to top out at some point in time. Like I don't know how much less lag you need, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, lag comes up in this. It does. Oh, yes. Yeah. I also just wanted to call attention to this section because it's a. It, there's one word in this that I feel like stands out as sort of a, a red flag. So let me just read this to you. You see if you can pinpoint the one word that I maybe disagree with. She ran her head along the sheet aluminum desk. Interesting how economics work, isn't it? Within a year, aluminum will be a byproduct of the silicon industry. And that aluminum will be handy, too. We'll have a lot of construction to handle the growth we're about to have. I just I just strongly object to the word interesting. I was going to say, I'm that's... pretty sure it's interesting <laughs> that's sticking up in your craw there. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, so a, a long Batman villain scene there that ends with, I was just sort of confused. She's just like, well, so get out of here, you know, instead of like, I'm going to put you in a vat and in 10 minutes, the lava will cover you and burn your, she's instead, she's like, that's why I'm letting you go. Cause I did this for economics or something. Well, what she says is that, uh, the mob, Oh, Palacio, oh, yeah, yes. the Brazilian yes. mob, is uh, the man from Hong Kong, Jin Chu, had been double dealing to Trond, as well as the mob, who runs the factory where she blew up the things. And so she essentially says, uh, right now, I'm sure O Palacio is buying as many tickets to the moon as they can get. Within a month, Artemis will be swarming with their people. And she's like, oh, like they, they're the ones who set the fire I put out in the first section. And uh, she says, you're the administrator. Do something about it. And she says, 
Between their financial base and physical enforcers, they own the city. Think Chicago in the 20s, but 100 times worse. So there's just nothing that she says. There's nothing we can do about this. They're buying tickets to the to the moon. They'll be here in a month. Um, they'll be looking for you. So I need to let you out there as bait. But like, there's literally nothing we can do about this. It's like, uh, you know, you've really got a got a terrible system here. If that's the case, yeah. What what is your immigration policy? <laughs> just just bar them tickets. But I do think it's funny that. Um, Again, I know we brought this up. It's 2081 on the moon. Mm-hmm. There re- there hasn't been a more mobbed up city than Chicago in the 1920s. <laughs> all the way up until 2081 on the moon. Like <laughs> think, uh, you know, it's not like think Argentina in the 2060s. Right. Oh boy, that was mobbed. Ooh, yeah. Yep. No, no, I, there's no example. Just think Chicago in the 1920s. <laughs> yeah. Remember when North Korea opened its doors in, uh, you know, 2047 and how badly the mob was running things there? Like, they moved in right away. Right. Um, but also, it's like, it's, is it going to be 100 times worse? Like, the mob probably killed uh, more than 2,000 people in the 20s. Like, that, you know, so by that definition, it's there's no way that it's possibly going to be... Uh, you know, a hundred times worse because there's there's <laughs> a population is one, you know, ten thousands of Chicago's in the twenties. And I do think it's funny that the person uh, holding a, another person at gunpoint in her office is like, "Well, they're coming here. I'll be powerless. <laughs> what are you going to do?" Right. Yes, <laughs> running her hand across the gun she's currently holding. Right, and you know, I, the, the the book did start with her, you know, going to great lengths to procure like Cuban cigars for people. So there is some sort of system that's preventing undesirable substances from coming in and you'd have to imagine that uh there's something that would prevent undesirable people but whatever it just you hand wave that away so she's sure. now bait for the brazilian mob and that's why the um the president is letting her go without you know i don't know think that pulling the night the gun was necessary but um there she goes and she goes back to her like hideout and uh we, there was a section we covered in fanfic where she says uh oh yes <laughs> The frigid, you know, I felt a wet droplet hit my arm. Uh, then I touched my face with my hand. Oh, God damn it. The source of the water was me. I was crying. So it's a, uh, that that provokes her to go find Svoboda and uh, sort of like bring him into the scheme that is the only way she knows, her only way out of this is to destroy that final thing, um, the final harvester that she didn't get from the mob. So that that brings up a question, though. So she doesn't know that she's crying. She only discovers it through feeling liquids. <laughs> it's... I, I I read a uh, maybe Sean. I think I read a science fiction series once that was the the uh, main character was a leper, and he had a system where you can't your nerves die and you can't oh feel yeah. pain, so you have to check yourself all the time to make before sure before you, you didn't, wreck like... yourself or yes, exactly. Well, that's exactly what it is, because you could, you know, run into a, a metal bar and, you know, hack your head open and not know that you had done it. So you constantly have to make right. sure you didn't lose parts. of it. Is this what she's doing? Like, oh, my God, I'm crying now. Oh, dear heavens, I'm bleeding. I have something happened to me. Like, aren't you not aware of your own of what's going on around you? That comes up over and over again in these books we read. So it just must be some sort of, you know, tick uh, that, that authors have in terms of trying to find unique ways to describe the act of crying, which we all have done and all understand. And we're aware when we're doing it. Um, I do not believe that she has earned this sassy Dashiell Hammett crap right here. Here we go. Fifteen minutes later, I slogged down a corridor to my destination. I rang the door buzzer. 
It was past three in the morning, but I was past politeness. <laughs> oh, eat me. What are you, <laughs> so bad. When have you been polite? You call people like, you know, cock sticks and rich fucks the entire book. Like, Yeah, but... just two paragraphs of, you're a real bitch, you know that? She said to the president of the moon. <laughs> politeness. <laughs> well, but then she follows that immediately up with, after a minute, Svoboda opened the door. He wore full body pajamas because apparently he had just traveled to the moon from 1954. <sighs> it's really stuck in the past. Uh, and she uh, pretty much is just like, I'm so tired. I need your help. But then she, uh, she, she says, I'm going to sleep. And my knees buckled and I collapsed. The moon is a nice place to piss, pass out. You hit the ground very gently. More gravity. I've, I just wrote, well, this is the first I'm hearing about it. What? <laughs> is there something different about it? So I wonder if she passes out at the same rate that you would just be dropping a uh, the, the knife off of the uh, two story ladder, um, right? Yeah. Uh, so she she uh, gets a, a nice night's sleep on a bed. A Svoboda, apparently this the crazy Ukrainian mm-hmm. who I sometimes think is a like uh, a mentally challenged eight year old. There's something weird about this guy. Well, I mean. Uh, if- any character in this book could at some point in time be described as that when they're just being like, <laughs> he's Saxon. That's true. I stretched out in Svoboda's bed and yawned. It wasn't the first time I'd awakened in some guy's place, worn out and full of regret. <laughs> when does all this whoring happen? It's, it's really what, incredible. Don't we know everything? We know everything about our life, right? Uh yeah, but the, all this stuff is so vaguely alluded to. The only thing we should really know about regretting is the day that she found out she was had been living with a pedophile for over a year. Like that's that, true. You, you probably wake up with a bit of regret the day you learned that. Like, but she had a boyfriend, and then the the gay guy stole her boyfriend. Like, where I just don't understand where all the going around to guys, you know, coffins or whatever, and just. <laughs> banging on like when is this happening i don't know and i don't know why you have to be coy about it in this way like you know clearly you know the audience wants that type of thing so like (laughs) toss him a bone like literally every now and then it does feel like the the kid who uh insists he's got a girlfriend in canada or something like oh yeah yeah you know uh this isn't the first time i woke up all tired and worn out in a bed if you know what i'm saying like you know i don't think you did ever (laughs) Yeah, it's the uh, the Shermanator in American Pie, you know that type of <laughs> that type of character. It's obviously lying, you know. What do what do boobs feel like? Well, they feel like you know. Have you ever like mixed sand with Jello? Like that's what they feel like. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Just say it confidently enough, and the other twelve uh, year olds will believe you. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but she did say uh, um, that she. Her, she was fully clothed. He took her boots off. Not the best way to sleep, but better than having someone undress my unconscious body in the night, which I don't think anyone had really un- considered as an option. So um, an odd detail to toss in there. But she does say, I mm-hmm. pondered ways to pay him back. She had get, get, you know, left him juice. A really nice meal. A cool piece of lab equipment. Have sex with him? <laughs> Just kidding on that last one, of course. I snickered at the thought. Then I stopped snickering, but hung on to the thought. <sighs> Uh, keep in mind, you know, Chekhov's condom is out there. Uh, it, it, it does linger. And, it, you know, it, we're dancing around it quite a bit in this scene and later scenes with Svoboda. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then um, I think he returns. And I just think this is creepy as hell. This is the, the man writing this as okay. the, uh, the, the Muslim woman. Okay. I looked down. I was still wearing just the shirt I'd liberated from his closet. <laughs> 
I was pretty sexy, I have to admit. <laughs> oh, dude. Stop. Uh, yeah. Just stop. She is. She's in the classic, you know, um, I had to look it up because I had a, an image, but the, the girlfriend, you know, making breakfast, wearing the guy's oversized T-shirt type of thing. Yes, of so course. So if you, if you look up a, a, a movie poster for... Uh, Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher in no strings attached. Natalie Portman is, is buttoning up one of those like that just just hangs over her butt on the uh, on the image of that. Uh, obviously, the night after a fling type of thing. So that's uh, that's what he's going for. The boyfriend shirt, right? <laughs> yes. Isn't that what they call it? And she is feeling sexy because it does say that she had took a nice long shower and reminded myself what I was really working toward, a shower of my own. So just to drill down on what the stakes are here, that's, uh, that's why she's incurred the wrath of the mob who's willing to travel a month to the moon to kill her is so that she could eventually shower <laughs> right. uh, um, on her own. Uh, but I did learn, uh, I have to admit, I don't know a lot about and it's very timely i don't know a lot about uh, ukrainian life but it uh it turns out uh here i'm reading it uh she's drinking a juice that he leaves for her. it was reconstituted carrot apple juice tasted like shit <laughs> who the hell puts those things together ukrainians apparently apparently so, there you go i'm i'm learning uh so much about the ukraine what's the uh, uh the facts king uh Oh, yes. Facts King. I believe I I should put that on. Oh, 100%. The Ukrainian section of Facts King. The national beverage. Yeah. That does feel like something you'd have read in an explainer, you know, like, you know, why is this this war happening? Here's some facts to know about the Ukraine. The national beverage (laughs) is carrot apple juice. I don't know. In in college, my my go-to late-night meal at uh, Little John's, the all-night deli at UVA, you'd get the sandwich. But then they had this Sobe. Do you remember that juice? It had like a lizard on the bottle. Yes. Uh, Orange carrot was the uh, the juice. And it was just, you know, it was a 20-ounce soda that was probably the source of my major freshman (laughs) 15. But it was, uh, yeah, orange carrot juice. (laughs) Juice. Carrot was probably like, you know, the ingredient after like eight types of sugar on there. But Right, right. It was probably past even like salt and yes. monosodium glutamate yes. yeah. uh and uh, he the, the response of him observing her in the uh, natalie portman shirt is uh he turns into pretty much like cousin uh balky he, you know, oh yes, like, oh yes. i hope you don't mind i gestured to the shirt no 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 uh, no problem it looks good i mean uh, it hangs well i mean how your chest makes it up <laughs> and he said she says when this is all over if i'm still alive i'm gonna give you woman lessons what he literally says Wah. <laughs> which i just noticed but uh she says you just you really need to learn about women and how to interact with them all right which is one of the most stunningly unself-aware sentences i think we've ever read in one of these books and he, it's the second time he's done this with a number he did it with uh with the lond or what Londvik or trond Trond, sorry. <laughs> Was she the told him thing. he needed woman lessons? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. This is like the third time, I think, So woman lessons. Uh, Bob Fingerman sent us the Kirkus review of this book, which cited, uh, in, I guess, in his acknowledgments. He's like, I consulted with six different women to help me convincingly write this character. None of those, not a single hand raised by the six women, like telling him this was that uh, it makes your chest, uh, I'm going to give you woman lessons, was not uh, not the way this would play out. It's so, uh, it, that is, you're not helping by saying like, 
Hey, yeah, I wrote this woman. Yeah, it was it was really terrible. I consulted six women. Like, oh, oh, don't just stop. Yeah. You're, you've already lost. Yeah. Stop explaining. That's uh, I you know I have some I have some black friends type of thing. Like I can write uh, I could write this 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 character. Yes. Uh, but the, he then moves on to some of the science trough. I think because he does say he needs some uh, um, help with like the welding. Or the smelting? I don't know. There's there's welding and smelting, and it's the majority of what we're about to cover. Oh, there is smelting and welding like you have never explanations of it, descriptions of starting it, finishing it. Uh, it, it goes on and yes. on. <laughs> but he uh, he says that like it sounds cool because um, she has the smelting process from FCC Cambridge, and he's like, ooh, that sounds cool, which I think is how Weir imagined his readers would react to that. Um, which is, is absolutely the opposite reaction I have every time it comes up. But the rest of this chapter, I think, is her putting together her her crew, I guess, her misfit crew, which starts with Lena, Lini. Uh, yeah, I'm, the, I don't the, know. The I'm, now orphaned what? daughter of Tron, who uh, has a wheelchair or crutches. I forget which ones, but she has her legs were she, hurt in a car accident. So she she uh, enjoys. I mean, she prefers to be um, you know physically challenged. On the moon, because of uh, I guess there's this gravity thing. <laughs> I haven't heard of that. Yeah. Makes it easier for her. But she says this about her when she goes to see her, um, and she's sad because the uh, the bitchy Russian housekeeper was, oh, was yep. killed mm-hmm. along along with her father. Yep. Um, but uh, her hair was in a loose ponytail, the universal sign of not giving a fuck. <laughs> so universal. So yes. if you you're bald. It's a chore, but you've, you've got to go out and buy a ponytail and glue it onto your sure, head yes. to, to, to make, you know, make sure you're giving the universal sign yeah. that we all do. Uh, those of us who don't have enough hair to make a ponytail, it's a real chore, <laughs> but we have to go do it. And uh, that combined with, uh, you know, as a wealthy teen girl, she usually put hours into her appearance. Any of those six hands go up with any of this? Like... Uh, <laughs> right. women be doing makeup is essentially yes. his, his his thesis here but i don't know she, uh then she uh she toys with because she's rich she toys with a um forgive me if i'm pronouncing it patek philippe watch okay patek philippe i don't know I, very, you're the watch guy watch. I, I don't i can't afford those, those are like hundreds sure. of thousands of dollars okay got it um but here's what i'm calling bullshit on with the help of its tweezers, I detached the set pins from the metal watch band. I removed three links and put the pins back in. No, you did not. No, you did not. That is not possible. Is it one of the most complicated machines it on is, the planet? Like you, you bring it in to a watchmaker. You can't just pull the pins out. It's very difficult. Right. Did she have a, a loop like that she just pulled out to like, you know? Yes, yes. A jeweler's loop. You need a special tool to remove those pins, unless there's something about these watches where they're way cheaper than the cheap watches I buy. Anyway, I right. just that, that sticks out. It's like, <laughs> why why put that fact in if you don't know anything about it? All right, it yeah. does not work that way. I guess it's just her uh, her her skills. Remember, she was recruited by every guild in the country, but she was too you know busy boning dudes to like you know commit to <laughs> right. a, a career here. I also like that she so she's a a a, a natural watch uh repairer like that comes naturally to her yeah she also has a a a universal uh preternatural understanding of uh moon and mob economics because she says to she says to 
uh, Lini, I need you to be ready to take over the contract. Once you do, O Palacio will be willing to sell you Sanchez Aluminum. Why would they sell to me? A very good question. Because if they don't, you'll make your own company undercut their prices with your free power and bankrupt them. They're mobsters, but they're also businessmen. You'll be offering them a big payoff to walk away when their alternative is watching the company collapse. They'll take the deal. <laughs> like, oh, I guess you, you, you understand that. You didn't even factor in the thing that they might just like slowly remove your fingernails with, uh, with tweezers, you know, cut off fingers and then mail them to people like... You know, not we have already murdered torture. two in your family. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. okay. Didn't think about we that. We not hesitate. To... Guess we're going with Plan C. <laughs> uh, so I just thought that was you. You just you just say what these things are going to happen, and then that becomes a, the guiding thing for the rest of the caper is is working towards this thing you just invented on the walkover from the from the president's house, I guess. And she, you know, as a. Uh recently, uh, uh, what do you call it when someone loses their father? I don't know. Uh, you well, know. she's an orphan because her mom died in the car crash that... Uh, oh, right. Her mom is dead too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Recently orphaned billionaire, like sort of rolls her eyes and goes, I don't think I can do that. And she, well, she doesn't yeah, roll her eyes. She already is oh. displaying the universal sign of not giving a fuck. Sorry to correct you there. Oh, that's... She's, she's, she's a loose ponytail. Yeah. Yes. So she just kind of goes like, okay, I guess so. Like why? Why would she? Why would she ever do that? She doesn't need to. She doesn't care, right? She's I, holding a hundred thousand dollar watch in her hands. More than that, because they they modified it at the factory for the moon. So yeah, it's a million a dollar one, watch uh, in her hand. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she's just like you know what? I'm going to go see if just they've made any progress on the Earth about my like you know bionic legs or any of this stuff. Um, so I'm not going to live on this hellish existence on the moon <laughs> uh, yes. where, you know, there's probably like 30 to 40 other kids my age. So I, th- I feel like my prospects are probably better being a billionaire on earth. Right. So, you know, good luck with the mob. <laughs> they, uh, uh, they are, they, I, th- I think that's it for this chapter. They wrap it up with another email. Oh yeah. There's an email. I forgot. I'm scrolling down to the email. Yeah. Kelvin. Uh, yeah, she, she emails Kelvin, and now the emails are essentially in real time. Um, they, they they were uh, historical, and now she's just saying, like, I'm in some deep shit. Um, now I'm in slightly shallower shit. And she says that mm-hmm. uh, there was, like, litigation over the smelter design um, so that the Kenyan Space Corporation was able to obtain, like, in that trial, got the blueprints to be public of the smelter design. So he needs... She needs him to obtain them in his, you know, because he's in Kenya, so he can access anything or something like that. But she makes it very clear, and here's this is how writers pay attention. This is how you build tension. Um, it's going to be very difficult to get a hold of these documents. Okay, uh, it's a different. You work in a different part of KSC. Um, maybe you'll be able to find access. Is I I will of course pay you. Mm-hmm. This is a highly dangerous and very difficult. Uh, yeah, he has a family to think of. Yeah, he's yeah. got the ch- pregnant sister. Like, yeah, exactly. The stakes are high. Dear Jazz, the plans are enclosed. <laughs> okay, they were surprisingly easy to get. <laughs> All right. Well, that tension, which lasted for two sentences, evaporates yeah. immediately. Turns well, out the- I had it at my desk. Yes. What are the odds? <laughs> but yeah, you know, the the way that he that they say it is even funnier. He just says. I have a drinking buddy in the metallurgy lab in Building 27. This guy's been as square as there is 
uh, the entire book. You know, he's like, he even uses good grammar in his emails. He's like, my, you know, my sister, we fear that uh, due to her unexpected pregnancy, she will not be able to complete her time at university. He's, a, he's got a drinking buddies. That he yes. Does. But he says, they'd been consulted as part of the safety overview. He pulled up the plans on his boss's computer, which had no password protection. Uh, all I had to do was buy him a beer. So the cost was two beers. Had to have one myself, of course. Uh, so that guy was even more willing to, he doesn't even know what the story is. He just opens his boss's computer for, you know, a beer. Well, beers have gotten probably expensive by 2082, but uh, so, so a dumbass um, with, with low, low cost for personal uh, putting yourself at risk. Yes. Tinkly piano music as he says, it is with heavy heart that I take pen in hand to write you dear jazz. But I got this drinking buddy over there. Like he and I just like really lit it up the other night. I opened his computer while he was puking on some guy's chair. Right. That doesn't even play into it. I'll get him drunk and then do this or uh, loosen him up for that. All right. Well, that's fun. That's how chapter 11 ends. Chapter 11. Chapter 12. We wind up at uh, Billy's. Hartnell's. Billy's, Billy runs Hartnell's pub. Billy's the guy who runs the place, love. <laughs> he does, yeah. G- give us a taste of the, uh, the uh, when it says he laughed. Oh, he laughed. Oh, believe me, love. I made far more from you than I'll lose by being closed for an hour in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Your alcoholism and promiscuity pay my bills. <laughs> Oh, so this is, yes, this is her uh, recruiting area. Mm-hmm. Her staging area is her her favorite bar. And is it the morning? It's the morning. I we I, I, kept, I started keeping track, I believe. they I, Pretty much they, they put away, her and Dale put away three beers before 10 a.m. Um, so that's an important thing to keep in mind as she does this recruiting thing. I mean, I feel like she's a fairly slight woman i feel like she's remarked upon that when she's been like fighting guys being like am i oh, yeah she's a fairly slight <laughs> woman all right it's it's that sure good pretty well a little something for daddy <laughs> but she's also subsisting on a diet of gunk so i have to imagine that like doesn't necessarily sop up the booze so i feel like three beers before 10 a.m hasn't been sleeping well you know it's probably going to get you fairly uh you know lit <laughs> so that's just, that's true yeah if we had to guess i mean yeah, she's maybe a, a 118 pounds, if I had to guess. I don't know. <laughs> but why uh, speculate? Yeah, who knows? Maybe the uh, maybe the the beer needle has ticked back towards like low alcohol loggers by this point in time on the moon. No, uh, she's not doing slugging double IPAs. But she recruits um, her team. We'll we'll get to her team. But Dale is is one of the first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dale, as you recall, is the uh, the gay Jewish man, I believe. Right? Yes. Who stole her boyfriend Tyler? Uh, Tyler, I, I was going to say Kyle. Okay, Tyler, and um, and and here comes this gag. Oh boy! Uh, Dale does not want to do this. Whatever this mission is, it's He's, a dangerous uh, mission. This going up against the mob. Of course, he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, of course. And so it, it leads to this exchange. Uh, seriously, he groused. I got better shit to do than beers on me. A pint of your finest, Billy. <laughs> he hopped onto his seat. Oh my God! <laughs> I just—I said I've lost track of how many times they've rolled it out. I mean, I feel like it's been the exact same. I mean, that gag has been done with beer, let alone you know that doing that gag again multiple times. I'll put ten thousand slugs into your gizmo. Okay, I'll do it. You know, God, <laughs> you can't make me. You can't make me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know don uh 
I done much better in, in dirty work. Norm Macdonald paying off the homeless guys. Like, <laughs> you know, I need you to go yes. ruin the opera. Like, I, I'm barely here's two dollars. Uh, uh, and then the next person to come in that she's recruiting is uh, Lini Landvik, mm-hmm. Tron's daughter. Yet she hobbled in on her crutches. Yes, she was 16, and Hartnell's was a bar. But there's no drinking age in Artemis. It's another one. Of, it's another one of those vague rules that's enforced with punching. If Billy sold teenagers the occasional beer, it was no big deal. But if he strayed too far down the age bracket, he'd get a visit from angry parents. Yeah, especially if they got so drunk that they went home with your your ex boyfriend afterwards. <laughs> then they could just punch a couple of people. Uh, again, that's a, a a weird thing to be going back to the well for. Uh, and then um, she, Lenny, oh, how are we pronouncing it? Uh, who cares? Lenny? L- I don't know. Lenny? I don't know. Lena? I don't know. Sure. But uh, it would be a long time before her life had normalcy, but at least for the moment, she got to be a teenage girl glued to her phone. Ah, those kids on the moon today, always staring at their phones. And <laughs> can't they just, uh, like, uh, appreciate the fact that the gravity's slightly different? What, what, what do they got to be staring at their phones for? Justin Gr- Bieber and I don't know. Grandpa, you just called her gizmo a phone. What are you talking about? Are you, are you having a stroke? Like, what is that word? It's fu- it's very funny that it does call it. She's fiddled with her gizmo, and then he just like uh, abandons the per- the charade in the next sentence. Yep. It's a phone, yeah. uh, whatever. I didn't invent yes. anything, <laughs> right? And that's where it says they. Uh, so it says Dale and I had had a couple of be- uh, Dale and I had another couple of beers while Lene fiddled with her gizmo. That's when it says Bob Lewis showed up at exactly ten a.m. So that's their uh, their drinking schedule. <laughs> okay, but then when her, so Bob the Marine is there. And then her dad shows up, and when he uh, when he when he shows up, it says he scanned the bar until his eyes landed on me. I slipped my beer glass away. I never drank in front of him. It's like eh, you've had you've had three beers before ten a.m. I think he's probably going to be able to tell you've been drinking. You know, from here's the here's the plan. So his, his dad's going to weld. What you, what you Dale? Hell, <laughs> I miss I no, shut up, shut up, Tyler. Shut up, you guys. Shut up. No, seriously, we're going to do this like. So, shh, shut up, shut up. Promise me every year we're coming back. back. <laughs> Billy, are you with me? All right, right here, love. <laughs> so that's a, it's a funny uh, wrinkle to this whole thing because it's never mentioned that, you know, alcohol affects her at all. Um, yeah, is it different? On the, did they, she talks about it on the moon. Is it different? Do you Does get it, drunker? Yeah, that's an interesting, uh, that would be fun science. Um, who knows how it affects you, but. Uh, the, uh, the encounter with her father begins with, uh, Dale oh, raising, raising, raising his glass to greet him. And, but he gives him, he, he returns it with a cold stare. I forget, said Dale. Uh, sorry. I forget. You hate me because I'm gay or because I'm Jewish. I hate you because you broke my daughter's heart. Fair. Dale polished off his beer. <laughs> Dale is al- so bad. Dale's always ready to respond, you know, with you know, great comedic timing to uh, to uh, some sort of quip or or um, straight man line, essentially. No pun intended. And also, you know, let's uh, let's also just make, um, you know, like conservative Muslim um, Jewish relations are just a you know just a <laughs> beer time morning joke that we all can. Right. Yeah. Just turn it into Gilligan's Island once again. What's the, st- what's the stance of that, Weir? Why come you didn't go into speculating about that? That could have been fun for everybody in 2082. <laughs> How have those progressed? 
And uh, then she says, um, uh, he says something to her. Yeah, he I don't said- know. Anyway, here's the line. Ugh, I rolled my eyes. I don't do that, Dad. This may shock you, but I haven't had sex with anyone in this whole room. What you you won't drink a beer in front of your dad? <laughs> well, you're right. talking just about banging guys. Like yeah. I banged, you know, uh, nineteen hundred and seventy-five guys on the moon, but uh, not not the ones in this room right yeah. now. Yeah, we're willing to be ultra specific with that. He did say uh, the reason she said that is because he said uh, to Svoboda, like I'm a friend of Jazz, and Dad shook his hand. One of those friends with benefits. Mm. <laughs> which is very close to what was the title of that oh no strings attached was that natalie portman ashton kitchen movie yes. just as easily could have been that yes but she says i haven't had sex with anyone in this room and her dad you know responds again with the uh the comedic timing well it's a small room burns Faboda oh. said. <laughs> so yeah just everyone is just snapping zingers left and right about her uh her promiscuity in front of her dad but she's demurely pushed her um, reconstituted beer to the other side of the table. Well, yeah, you can't like, have that. The dad is, you know, he's like, oh, I guess Dale is drinking from both beers. Yeah. I had sex with dad, with Svoboda dad. He just probably caught a glimpse of my panties when I was wearing his oversized shirt. But like, he's never, I'd never open up for him. Like, you know. Okay. Excuse me, I have to go to my prayer rug yes. momentarily. <laughs> I did look up this morning. I was hoping to catch him in a in a detail when the uh, when when the prayer times were a day, but I, ten a.m. D- doesn't seem to be one of them. So oh dang! I, I was hoping to get him there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but she goes on to explain. Um, she says, "I told him the whole sordid tale: Queensland Glass, Jin Chu, O Palacio." Um, I turned the four over to Sabota to explain Zafo. Then I finished up by telling the sea of shocked faces that dozens of mobsters were on the way to Artemis. In the middle of all that, Mr. Brightside came on the jukebox. So I said, yeah, I just had to start singing that because that's a, you know. <laughs> Now I'm turning my head and it's off, she takes off her dress, now let me go. All right, so the mob is coming. Um, They'll be here in a month. We got to get ready. <laughs> Looks like you spilled your drink, love, but Billy's got another one right here for you. Billy, not in front of my dad. So anyway, I was considering banging oh, the right. entire mob. That could maybe, like, you know, buy us a couple of times, maybe 69 hours. Woo! <laughs> That's right, this beer's for me, Mr. Bashara. <laughs> she has to go behind a curtain, like uh, how they prepare uh, mixed drinks <laughs> in Utah. Like to... Yes. Um, but she does, you know, she says, her dad is like, well, if you're in such trouble, let's get you back to Earth. And she says, no, Dad, I'm not running away. Saudi Arabia is your old neighborhood, but it's not mine. There's nothing for me there but gravity sickness, which is certainly something you'd eventually overcome, right? You know. But she says, Artemis is my home. Um, so she does have affinity for it, despite the litany of complaints and, and disgust she has exhibited for it over the course of the entire book. Right. She hates it. <laughs> uh, but this is a... Uh, so, yeah, the Svoboda character there dumps... The science thing. It, the motivator for this, like you said, is so vague. Like, hey, um, I'm a I'm a, a 10 a.m. drinking 23 year old uh, loose woman, uh, but I, I think there might be some mobsters headed this way. So, mm-hmm. are you with me? <laughs> you know, 
the Agincourt speech, like men will strip their sleeves and remember this day as they fight the mobsters. Like, I don't believe you. I don't. Right. right. You are you, you are an unreliable person. I don't care. I don't think this is true. Uh, but uh, but no, they they rally. Right. Yeah. All, she doesn't even bring uh, the president there. She just has a. Uh, conversation she had with the president under duress while you know both of them were pointing weapons at each other to inform her of all this. So that's the um, that's what she's going on, and then secondhandedly passing along to everybody else uh, her band of brothers. And then, uh, as one of the uh, recruited band of brothers, Svoboda gives us this. Uh, and again, is how old is this person? He says, "You can't spell smelt without melt." Svoboda added. And then Mr. Bashara slowly got up and beat him to death with a tire iron. Yep. His brain parts sprayed across Billy's bar. Yeah. <laughs> and, and no one was on, everyone went, yep, that's fair. Very justified. <laughs> I was imagining, you know, anyone who works in a refinery, just like a guy, you know, sweating his ass off, 12 hour shift gets home and then pretty much just does the, uh, the, the neighbor from office space. The No. Does anyone ever say, yeah, you can't smell smelt without melt when you're working in the refinery? No, no, man. No, man. Hell no. no. (laughs) I just, that's so funny. I just sent that clip to a friend who described something at his office (laughs) where he said something and he got put down. He's like, was I right? And then I just sent him that clip. (laughs) Shit, man. No. I believe you get your ass kicked for saying something like that. (laughs) So unfortunately, no one does Uh, kick his ass. He's left to deal lines like, the anode is dipped in calcium chloride salt bath, and the electrolysis literally yanks atoms out. Oh, and the carbon cathodes get eroded, so they have to constantly re-center them from the carbon they recover off the CO2 byproduct. That's the, uh, that's the uh, St. Uh, Saint Crispin's Day speech of this yes, book. Yes, exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they bring up, uh, she brings up this to tell them, you know, the mob infestation. Uh, this isn't a new thing. New York, Chicago, Tokyo, Moscow, Rome, Mexico City, they all went through hell to control their mob infestations. And those are the success stories. Uh, South America, blah, blah, blah. Let's not do that. But Chicago in the 1920s does not get mentioned at all. I thought that was the high watermark. Yeah. But all of a sudden, Argentina? Wait wait a minute. She's freelancing this. Just stick with the script, man. Chicago in the 1920s. Maybe it's the first time they're doing the uh um the the Star Trekky uh you know your your Beethoven oh, your yes. Mozart your um or Slagibavach from yes, Viscos right. 3. <laughs> That's the one time he's invoked uh, uh future happenings that we haven't actually covered in real life. Mhm. Uh, she, she does demonstrate as she's doing that more understanding of how the mob is going to behave there. She says, uh, L- Lena, he says, uh, dad had, uh, well, I have enough oxygen to last Artemis a year. I'll offer to take over the contract as soon as Sanchez is in breach. And then uh, Jazz says, and Nagugi will rubber stamp it. She wants Opalacio out as much as we do. So the main issue is a contract here, which obviously the mob will... Uh, respect and obey once the 16-year-old girl offers to buy them out of it. Of course. <laughs> That's what they're known for. That's pretty it's... incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then Svoboda, again, trying to get a handle on his and, and many characters in this book, but mostly Svoboda. Uh, he becomes uh, Catherine Hepburn from a 1930s screwball comedy Ooh. when she's going like, are you in? 
You know I'm in, said Svoboda. I love a good caper. <laughs> Svoboda, what are you? Yes, I love a good caper. And uh, damn it, Norman, when will you use my condom? <laughs> use it on the balloons, Norman. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get what Svoboda's doing. He's sort of a horny Ukrainian... Drinking Hor- carrot juice and... Horny Ukrainian I nerd, I think. Like, yeah. uh, no All one's right. probably invited him to do a caper before, but I, if there's ever if there are any characters in, in caper movies that say, I love a good caper, that would be a great supercut because <laughs> what a terrible thing to say in the middle of all this. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it, it did, uh, it did, this reminded me, this caper, you know, that they're going on, mm. um, you know, which involves smelting and, and welding and whatnot. Um, I'm not I, sure I there's a di- welt nut. I think that's just smelting and welting. <laughs> I I had to go to the the dark web to see. You know, really? Did the, yeah. Did the you know fans? And there are many many fans of this book. It's huge. I mean, fans guy, like re, like honest to god fans, not like reading it ironically. No, love it. Just love it. Wow. Well, I mean, I I would take that to the dark web too. That's where you do all your unseemly uh, unseemly activity. That that fits in well with the other stuff they're doing on there. And then you you type in when you go to the dark web. Just I think it's www. Well, HTTP. Got it. Thank you. I... Yes, www.darkweb.org. I think you go there, and then you just there's a big search. There's a big magnifying glass in the right hand corner, hmm. and you just type in um, Ocean's Eleven, uh, Caper, and uh, Artemis, uh-huh. and then there's a huge like bulletin board opens up. Oh well, wow. um, does, does yeah. the dark web have like sponsored links at the top, like that are? There's a lot of the you know those things with like an ugly old man. Oh yeah, it, you know, and, it, and then it says like you know your interest rates are too high, <laughs> and then you click on. There's a lot of those, so you just be careful. With Larry those. Bird's repulsive wife, and Larry Bird is like frowning. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. So just be careful. But if you can get past all that, then you'll find a, a big section of a fiction created by these people. And uh, anyway, I just pulled up a, uh, a thing that's kind of a crossover of this and oceans 11. And huh. I, I, I thought it was good. So let's, uh, let's give it, I had to pay quite a lot of money. It was weird. Did you I, know? I, I had to put in my, my credit card. Well, the, uh, 372 pages credit card. Uh-huh. Uh, I put that in there and, uh, I figured it's the dark web, so it's safe. No, that's and the last so, place you want your credit card information. No, that's, it's the safest place because on the, oh, nobody can get it. The NSA or no, no one can take it. It's, uh-huh. it's safe. Uh-huh. It's stored now in the dark web. No, the Ocean's Eleven reenactors have it now. They're going to, well, they're, they're not going to misuse it. Oh I, my God. They, I signed a contract with them. I'm it's, moving to the it, moon. This is it. It's good a contract. Anyway, let's listen to this uh, bit by uh, by them. Danny Ocean assembles his team for one more caper. All right, boys. Glad to see you all back. Jackie, it looks like your pinky ring got even bigger. How else am I going to stir my 11 a.m. bourbon Manhattan? Come on, Danny. I was just getting hot at the craps table, and some honeys were giving me the eye. What's this all about? It's a caper, Billy. The future of money is all about one thing. Faster communication lines. That's right. right. And where are those communication lines made? Uh, Monte Carlo? The moon. Oh, Oh, sure. The moon. moon. Hey. Gentlemen, 
we're going to the moon. Oh, great. And when we get there, we're going to hit a nearly impenetrable bank vault? No, Jake. We're going to disable an aluminum smelter. Oh, but... Ow. But, uh, the method for disabling the smelter, it, it will be cool? Not at all. Gentlemen, two syllables for you. Welding. Please tell me this will be cool welding, Danny. It will not. Uh, but prior to the welding, I'll be rappelling down an air conditioning shaft wearing a shark skin suit? No. But, but surely I'll skate along the floor spraying an aerosol to detect the lasers that guard it? Absolutely not. Look, we will all be wearing gross, hot coveralls and talking through crappy smartwatches. Oh, but the talk... Oh, Danny, the talk. It'll be wry and sassy and suave. Not in the least. It will be the smack talk of a ten-year-old. A ten-year-old with behavioral problems. So, elegant ladies in slinky dresses sipping cold gin martinis, and I can see you vigorously shaking your head, so I'm guessing it's a no. Uh, double crosses? Twists? Romantic rival? Why did I even ask? Yeah, none of that, yeah. We shall be in near darkness, joining sheets of metal using oxyacetylene torches, arc welding, and then meticulously chipping away at the slag afterwards. It will take forever, and it will be boring, gentlemen. Boring as all hell. Sounds fantastic! Now, here's where all the planning comes in. Oh, great, I love the planning. No one knows that the moon has the same gravity as Earth. That is... No one has ever written about it or referenced it. Is it six times that of Earth? One twelfth? It's a mystery, so each of you go to your little section of the movie screen and get to work. Think of the welding, gentlemen. The welding. Fantastic. I love it. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. It was yeah, I mean that so that's how you do caper dialogue right there i mean yeah that guy yeah, wrote that right. for free on the dark web and this guy was a new york times bestseller and one of them was obviously better than the other that's right man. better soundtrack too oh indeed um so this is uh uh again the 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 character that we're supposed to like here i'm just going to give you another um uh, they start the the welding begins now of course God, yeah I don't, uh, this is the dad, I don't try to control you either, not since you moved out, your life is your own. Yay me, I said. (laughs) And then later when he's welding, she goes, what's up, dad? You're slow as snot today. Oh my God. So we we, we love this jazz character. She's she's our hero. Well, you did put that out there in the description for our uh, our last episode. Like, are we supposed to like her? A lot of people wrote in about this book. Not a single person uh, weighed in on that at all. I think it is just okay. taken as a given. We do not like this character. We are not supposed to like this character. Um. <laughs> That's a weird way to write a book, though, isn't it? It is extremely weird because it's you know uh, there's there's anti heroes there's yeah it can be done story. everybody's done it yeah we all know that you know, who doesn't love reading Richard the Third he's a villain but it's it's fantastic right and you can have characters that you are not supposed to admire that are funny you know the, the yes. cast of Seinfeld yeah. or it's always sunny or, is you know or Bob Honey and, sure <laughs> <laughs> not not Bob Honey I retract I was yeah. joking um, but yeah there, she is not one of them. I wanted to call attention to this just in case it comes up. But as they're going to do welding, she says yeah. uh, she's off to wherever. They're pushing a cart full of welding supplies. 
I spotted Trigger in his parking space. I hadn't had the opportunity to use him lately. <laughs> but but I did want to remind everyone that it exists so that it doesn't come as a surprise when it factors into the final action set piece. So that's my... Uh, I think that was... There, there's no other reason you would have something that clumsy in there to remind you that she has an electrical <laughs> cart she uses to make deliveries. Right. <laughs> um. So this... I, I don't know. I have sporadic notes on this but this is all i really don't understand what's happening i admit i hold up my hand and i i you know i throw myself on the mercy of listeners i don't really get what they're doing yeah i think that the i think you can you can understand the beats but you do not need to understand the awful awful specifics of um honestly a lot of welding that happens in these next chapters when i went back and reviewed these notes i took I didn't even realize that there. I, I forgot that the welding started in this chapter because the next two chapters are all welding. But then <laughs> he, he did, she did have some sort of welding um, uh, that her father does here. Yes, yes. I, I noted that he he welds like a, a giant skirt. Like how big is it? <laughs> it's covering up a, a, a smelter that's sitting under a bubble. Do you, do you have a physical picture of this? Oh, no. I, she, she welds something that she has to crawl through at some point in time. So that's, you know. Yeah, she cuts is... holes in things, like two hulls. Mm-hmm. Then she uses the, uh, you know, Chekhov's uh, fire brigade tent thing. <laughs> oh, yep, yep. <laughs> the extendable tube thing. That comes back. And you Sadly, get... the condom remains unused. But well, uh, I don't yeah. know what was unclear. It says we shouldn't bend five millimeter stock more than a fifty centimeter <laughs> radius turn. I'm guessing about six to make the full arc. So, like, I feel like that's on you. Um, that's true. <laughs> it is like I mean, it happens all the time in movies we do at Rift Tracks. Where I mean, we've done. I think feel like seventy uh, percent of the most recent movies we've done have had long scuba diving scenes. Oh, yes. We did that movie recently where there was like a dozen parking scenes, maybe in about eight minutes, um, where people mm-hmm. just really underestimate how interesting things are going to be in their movie. I mean, but pod racing, God forbid. Um, right. But, but that's he, he leans heavily on the welding here. And I think I can imagine a scenario where you're emailing me and being like sending me screenshots of just like scenes 30 seconds apart and it's still a guy with a welding torch and it's you know yes. 80% of your section of a movie and you're just so bitter about it. I I do that. I am petty about that. I will uh, send sections. Of, I have 10 minutes of underwater scenes. What do I do? Um this is uh her I guess riding in the the units, the the UVAs. I don't know. Uh with the ex-marine and here here's um uh, uh, here's her to okay. the the Bob, the ex-Marine. They're just greedy fucks running a labor cartel. Pimps went out of style a long time ago, you know. He snickered despite himself. I've missed our political arguments, he said. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Wow. So, yeah, the uh, the 23-year-old, uh, very deeply unlikable, uh, semi-drunk uh, day drinker girl, uh, lectures him about uh, being in the guild, and he's like, <laughs> "This is fun." <laughs> the marine, he doesn't just reach out a hand and close her windpipe immediately. <laughs> right? It was the mob. No one will ever believe that it wasn't the mob. <laughs> uh, she she talks to Svoboda as well, um, and says, uh, um, "Like on a scale of one to invade Russia in winter, how stupid is this plan?" 
and he oh, expressed yeah. yeah that's bad but he expresses concern about some methane tanks so that's uh interesting as she sort of like brushes it off he says it's flammable like super duper flammable and so i had to look that was the third use of super duper in the book um but <laughs> she says if that's the worst thing you could think of i'm in good shape which is classic movie uh you know, we're picking something up on the radar. It's just a bird. Launch the rocket. Like, it's like he expressed a major concern about a huge flaw in the plan, and you're like, "Sounds fine. I've got it." Yes. <laughs> but then she does some of this stuff. Like, uh, it sort of turns into like a little like uh, deer penthouse. I never thought it would happen to me. Thing. She's like, I put my hands on his shoulder. Not sure why, but I did. Um, and that's. Is it where her hair fell into his face? Was that in the earlier thing? Like, so they're, they're building a little ten- sexual tension with Svoboda. And then he says, I'll always be there for you, Jazz. We looked at each other for a moment. Hey, did you try out the condom yet? He asked. So, oh, God. I mean, there's a thing I marked where it's like, uh, I guess this is probably going to be where it happens. But uh, it's really, it's, you're, you're setting it up here. Svoboda, though. Well, all right. There's no picture of any character, so why am I complaining about Svoboda? No. Uh, especially when we have this from uh, Bob. Again, this is the... Um, the Marine. This is the ex-Marine, yeah. They're, uh, they drive over the, the the pipe that comes from the oxygen. I guess there's just one. There's no you know redundancy on it. It's just a pipe. Okay. And they go to great lengths to say... Uh, we don't cover things up because no animals and rain and stuff. So there's just a pipe out in the middle of nowhere. It comes from the <laughs> smelter to the to the bubbles, and uh, they drive over it. And uh, he says, she says, like, don't can't won't you hurt it driving over it? And she, he says, no, you can't hurt it. And she goes, I have welding equipment. I could hurt it. And he says, you're a pedantic little shit. You know that? Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! This is the type of political argument I've missed mostly, Jazz. Oh, he snickered again. Oh, I love this. We really have a back and forth. Speaking yeah. of Catherine Hepburn, this is like bringing up Baby, the crackling dialogue and uh, the, the sharp wit. Oh. Sorry, uh, flashing back to the uh, Australian Civil War that I had to intervene in in uh, 2078. That's uh, right. my friends died. That's all right. I'm, I'm ready to. I'm ready to banter again. Uh, killed a lot of people with knives down there. <laughs> uh, and then she uh, hides in a, uh, r- rides out with Dale, who is going to be her accompaniment on this uh, most dangerous portion of it. Everyone else is going to be either running interference uh, as part of the caper, as demonstrated in the uh, dark web reenactment, or mm-hmm. uh, monitoring it um, on the gizmo from a safe location. Suaboda, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, and her father, too, I think. But yes. they, they so they banter about Tyler and stuff, um, blah blah blah, and uh, she says like you know, uh, your your dad is a, uh, you know he's okay with you actually. He says once you found out once he found out you weren't nailing me, he warmed up to you a lot, um, type of thing. But the, but then she continues. But then you know then came the whole uh, stealing my boyfriend thing, and he goes <laughs> right. So I bet he misses their little crackling dialogue as well. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't add that aside. Uh, I, I think he's he. But he's the one that wanted to meet up for an hour every week. That was the uh, she offered him hundreds of thousands of slugs, and he said no. I just the t- the time with you is more valuable to go back to the way it used to be. Wow. <laughs> and uh, the chapter ends with them saying, uh, you know, nervous shitting myself. Good. I think you're flawless on EVAs, but remember you flunked that test. Thanks for the pep talk. I'm just saying, a little humility's good on an EVA. I stared out the side window. Believe me, this past week 
has been humiliating enough. Yeah, Trond and his uh, housekeeper getting murdered sure was humiliating for me. <laughs> that was really, I really felt my cheeks turn red when that happened. <laughs> now everyone knows. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, the uh, every everywhere I go, like even the president of the country is like, "Well, you sure are a slut," but this that was the humiliating thing. <laughs> and what about? Um... We we don't know if Rudy, who like jumped out a window, Rudy jumped out a window. Uh, I will save you, right? And and jumped through a glass window. Yes, um, we don't be, know what his fate is. Yeah, he is not part of the crew for as much as he's been a thing. I mean, I'd imagine. Yeah, I'm just wondering if that was part of the humiliating week she had was watching this guy jump out a window to try to you know apprehend her uh, killer. Yeah. Um, I've been falling with what we now know is probably at a pretty uh, substantial rate to the ground. So unless he's got a jetpack, that's got to be pretty tricky. Uh, Well, I think that's the halfway mark of this. So I think we can do our final real or fanfic uh, segment of Artemis. All right. Well, this one's going to be tricky, even though I feel like you've been doing pretty well on Artemis Real or Fanfic. I think, if anything, you're maintaining your status quo, which is not that bad, um, I think, overall on this. Slightly above 50%, I'd say, <laughs> right? But I, again, always look at it as a batting average. Yes. And by, by this point, it has to have normalized. And if you're guessing, there's two options. So guessing whether it's real or fanfic is, you know, in theory, your eyes closed and not even listening to them. You should do 50-50. And I think you're above <laughs> that, so... but these are uh segments that are either from the final 16,000 words of artemis or fanfic written by our loyal jackals from patreon.com slash 372 pages uh and you are going to try to guess which are which and they could all be real or they could all be fanfic or some sort of combination of the two i'm just going to uh yeah i'm going to pull up a chat gtp and uh, (laughs) let it listen to them and then i'll give you my answers yes all right yeah that'd be it would be nice if you could say uh if that could do better than you that'd be pretty fascinating right uh so yeah here's number one i spun the hatch valve and stumbled back into the facility sanchez didn't notice me at first her attention was on the emergency air system probably trying to figure out why it wasn't cleaning the air how does one introduce herself in a situation like this I don't think Emily Post covered saving an enemy's life during industrial sabotage in her etiquette books. I went with a tried and true method. Hey, I yelled. She whipped around and grabbed her chest. Goodness! She panted a few times and regained her composure. She was a little older and more weathered than the pictures I'd seen of her. Still, she was spry and healthy looking for a 50-year-old. Who on God's gray moon are you? (laughs) Wow, well... Boy, the Emily Post thing is, that's good bait for me <laughs> uh, because of the uh, references, you know, the 50s. Sure. And, uh, I'll, I'll say it's real. Wow. Uh, wow. Number Don't tra- wow me. <laughs> <laughs> number two. Listen, guys, I said through my comms, looks like this is going to be old Jazz's last rodeo. yippee Kaye and all that sh- stuff. <laughs> I let my finger off the button and sniffled back some tears before going back on air. I know I've done bad stuff to all of you, though some of you have done bad stuff to me, too. I couldn't help myself. And I wanted to say I'm sorry. I hope in time you'll forgive me, but no matter what happens, make sure I have the awesomest tombstone this place ever did see. 
Jazz, my beloved daughter, I heard my father's voice come from the speaker. There's nothing you need to be forgiven for. We all love you. Why else would we agree to this insane plan? You can get out of this. I believe in you. And may the force be with you. And he told me he never saw Star Wars. That did... Dad. My dad. A smile creeped across my face. I was so going to get out of this and get revenge on every son of a bitch who did me and mine wrong. Wow. <laughs> uh, a lot going on there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say fanfic. Uh, it's very well done. You don't think Star Wars is coming back in the final? Uh... I'm just maybe in a different form, okay. surely. Okay, number three. Sanchez pulled out her own gizmo and tapped at the screen. Hey! I grabbed at her gizmo, but she pulled it away before I could get it. Give me that. No, she said crisply. I need to know if my people get back safely. Sorry, got back safely. Bullshit, you're calling for help. I lunged at her. She dragged us both to the floor. Knock it off, said Dale. She tried to swing at me, but only had one hand to work with. The other had a death grip on her gizmo. I blocked and slapped her across the face. Oh, God, it felt good to get a hit in. Stop that shit, Dale yelled. If you idiots hit the wrong button, we all die. You told that harvester to kill me. Admit it. I swung at her. She dodged to the side and hammerlocked my arm. Of course I did. How dare you try to destroy my life's work? God damn it. Dale skidded the rover to a halt. He waded into the fray and pried Sanchez and me apart. Despite what you see in action movies and comics, bigger really is better. A six-foot man just has too much of an edge over two slim women. Listen, assholes, he said. I'm too gay to enjoy this cat fight. Knock it off or I'll bash your heads together. Language. Sanchez resumed dialing her gizmo. Wow. Uh, that's that's good, too. And I know that, yeah, she's going to have a confrontation with Loretta Sanchez. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to say fanfic. Okay. Number four. A moment later, I heard a thwack above my head. I looked up to see a crossbow bolt lodged into the wall, still vibrating from impact. I spun around and saw down the hall a Brazilian thug cursing in Portuguese as he reloaded his weapon. Of course, crossbows would be far more easier, far easier to smuggle into Artemis than a gun would ever be. Plus, they would be far more effective in a lower gravity than on Earth. I heard the weapon fire its projectile and ducked around the corner for safety, but I felt the bolt strike my ankle. Fuck! I swore in pain. It hurt bad. But if Lini could manage with two bad legs, I could still manage with one. I gritted my teeth and pulled myself off the floor. My jimmies are officially rustled. Hmm? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, I don't know. Crossbolts. Brazilian Portuguese mom. I, I, I'll say fanfic. Okay. This really rustled my jimmies. Uh, it's on, uh, I don't know. It's on, it's on know your meme. So. <laughs> okay. Internet slang. You said fanfic? Yes. Number five. She took off her glasses. It's all part of the life cycle of an economy. First, it's lawless capitalism until that starts to impede growth. Next come regulation, law enforcement, and taxes. After that, public benefits and entitlements. Then finally, overexpenditure and collapse. Wait, collapse? Yes, collapse. An economy is a living thing. It's born full of vitality and dies once it's rigid and worn out. The, then, through necessity, people break into smaller economic groups, and the cycle begins anew, but with more economics. Baby economies, like Artemis is right now. Huh, I said. And if you want to make babies, somebody's got to get fucked. 
<laughs> a little bit of super constitution going on there with yeah. the talk about how economies work and everything. Sure. And then the horniness. Uh, I'm gonna. I don't know. I'm gonna say fanfic. Okay. All right. Well, let's see how you did. These were uh, some of them were not as tricky as I hoped they would be. Um, number one. Number one was uh, the uh, oh Emily Post etiquette books and yeah. uh, Loretta Sanchez saying goodness who on God's gray moon are you? Uh, the you said real, that is real. Okay, wow. I'm I'm look. I'm proud that I can walk away now. <laughs> I'm proud of that. That's yeah. I was I thought there was a couple like potential Post. there. <laughs> <laughs> and that was submitted by Craig who said that uh, Loretta Sanchez evidently talks like the. Uh, Mark's brother's woman, like, oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Firefly. Uh, so that's one for one. Uh, number two, number two was her dad quoting Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, you said fanfic. And that may have been a bridge too far. That was fanfic submitted by Harris. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know. He's well, referenced... Star Trek was, was quoted earlier, right? He was, was Star yeah, Wars? He did. He said something about Han Solo's pants. Like, and oh, okay. Like, <laughs> That's right. That's I, I don't think there, I think there's been more than one, maybe. So I, did, I didn't think he was beyond having two. Um, sure, sure. Uh, so that's two for two. Okay. Uh, number three was the uh, I'm too gay to enjoy this cat fight and, you know, rolling yes. around clutching your gizmo. You said fanfic for that. That is real. No um, way, knockdown dude. cat fight with uh, with Dang. Sanchez uh, uh. submitted by Chap. Uh, let's see, number four. So that's two for three. Number f- uh, the crossbows. Um, my Jimmies are officially rustled. Uh, you said fanfic for that. That is fanfic submitted by Daniel. Okay. Um, I thought that would be. I don't know. Jimmy's are that just struck me. I had no idea what it meant, but it sounded like something <laughs> you'd read and be like, "Why did he put that in the book?" That's yes. three or four. Three for four. Uh, number five was uh, if you want to make babies. Uh, lengthy super constitution explanation about economies. You said fanfic. That's real from oh, later in the book. No. Submitted by Hayden. Oh, so three for five. On. That's still a good. I think that's above. <laughs> 50%. Slightly above. If you want to make babies. <laughs> oh, that is so awful. I'm wow. not even sure who the she is in that section. That could be Loretta Sanchez. Probably, Or, yeah, the president's. Um, yeah. But. She ah. likes to lengthy talks, so I assume that's her. Yeah. All right. Well, I hold my head high for at least knowing that the first one was uh, was real. Yeah, and, uh, I'm proud of that. Identifying Emily Post etiquette references and on the moon in 2082 <laughs> is an yes. impressive feat. Well, well, uh, speaking of impressive feats, devoting two entire chapters to your science fiction novel about welding is pretty impressive. And that's where we get in uh, in episode 13. <laughs> welding a smelter, might I add? Yes. So uh, yes. <laughs> My main question here is: as, as Dale brought us to the edge of the bubble, did a three point turn and pointed to the rear of the rover at the wall. Like what? How were they able to do this part of it in stealth? I, I honestly may have just missed something, but I, I couldn't tell if they hand waved away like their cameras had been destroyed or something because they're on edge. It's been only less than a week, I think, since she destroyed their other three. The mob um, knows someone's out to get them, but they they just drive up to the edge of the smelting facility and, and essentially park and, and tunnel their way in. And, and they rem- they they can see the workers and stuff, right? At some point she gets into it. Yeah. But right now they're outside of it and have to drill through the hole in the wall and use the tube and stuff. But I yeah, just, they, 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 they have cameras and stuff. You'd imagine. I don't know. I could not picture this at all. They're putting a giant metal skirt over a smelter. 
Mm-hmm. It never describes the dimensions of a smelter. Is it three feet around? Is it 70 feet around? She crawls into it, right? Yeah, they, well, I think it's she's a smelting facility where there is then a smelter inside. So she's crawling into a huge lab that um, I think it says 25 people work at. That's a shift. Um, so, But the place where they actually melt the stuff is where she's... Right, where they do the aluminum thing, because she's talking about the copper core and all of that. Yeah. So she's inside of the actual I, smelter. As I imagined it being a little core, like you'd see in a movie, where there's uh, glass um, observation rooms that sort of encircle it, and she gets into this like central facility. I don't know. I you know, the, your mind's eye is doing a lot of work here because it's very poorly written action that I, I, I pity if anyone ever tries to make this into a movie. You know, to quote the great Svoboda, I love a good caper. <laughs> this is not a good caper. It is not. It is it's very not much not. at all. Yeah, and you barely get the capering stuff. Um, you know, it, it, it parses out the Ocean's Eleven style stuff much slower and less interesting than our dark web reenactment did. Yeah, those, those guys did a much better job. But you do get lines like this. Uh, proximity readouts are a frilly feature for cars on Earth, but critically important for lunar rovers. Crashing your presser vehicle is, into things is bad. It can lead to unscheduled dying. Um, which that that uh, that that uh, yeah. joke construction gets a lot of work out in this welding section. Um, I just wrote. Uh, I, I copied that exact line, and I said it just hurts when he tries to do the hard boiled <laughs> thing. <laughs> But I just like wince. I actually wince physically. Go, oh, why, why? Yeah, because it, it really just is something that doesn't feel like you should be reading it outside of a uh, a tweet or something. It's a, it's that level of, of of bad. But it also reminded me of you know th- that review we read of The Martian, where a guy gave some examples of it. I, there was something that struck me as similar, so I went back and looked. And one of the lines he quoted was. Problem is, follow me closely here, but the science is pretty complicated. If I cut a hole in the hab, the air won't stay in anymore. So it's like that's uh, that's you know he he didn't start doing this in Artemis after a a, a good novel. He it's that, the, the other book sounds like it was full of it. So mm, okay, Martian uh, defenders, <laughs> give us your best. And then there's more of it coming up soon. The the twelve year old boy at summer camp um, says we both stripped down to her underwear. <sighs> What I'm supposed to be demure around the gay guy? So uh. we, we we didn't say anything. <laughs> what do you mean? What? This is what you do. You're describing it. And like it, uh, what? It, like something you know about? Like I don't know. Like I I I sat down to the piano and I played. You know the scales. I started in C and then I went to C sharp. And what? Yeah. I like climbing up the scales chromatically. Like. <laughs> I, I don't know. You're just telling me stuff. Why are you getting mad at me? Right. Yes. <laughs> but it's also just, you know, to interject that is, you know, it's a it's a uh, making a joke about your character's dumb name that you introduced. But it's also like the the 12 year old's understanding of this is that being in your underwear in this situation is somehow interpreted as sexual instead of just be, like as if you're going to be wearing like your 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 sexiest, you know, revealing like lingerie as opposed to like the most utilitarian uh i haven't showered in a long time this is barely qualified you know you see me even more revealing stuff at the local pool like <laughs> type of underwear so that yes, it's even yes. worth remarking on like type of thing like yeah my rattiest sports bra and just like a pair of gym shorts is what i'm down to like what why am i even commenting on this it's not like uh i didn't uh don uh victoria's secret step before i went on this disgusting mission of mine 
Yeah, he's that guy that um, there was a kid in in my junior high school oh, who boy. just got into that mode of you know anything that could be remotely interpreted, <laughs> you know, like uh, and so you know the 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 character clutched his head and went. <laughs> said head (laughs) and then would tap you to be like i am trying to study and listen to this please stop this yeah he threw a ball at the other child (laughs) (laughs) stop it stop it it got so annoying but this is what this author is like yeah uh it really uh, there's no better way to describe it i don't think it is just that beavis and butthead middle school are reacting to vaguely sexual words and situations Um, uh, then the uh, we get a really good uh, dose of humor here, so um, get ready to laugh. Okay, what I'm telling I'm all, I mean, yeah, I'm ready. Um, ready for depress? Dale asked via the radio. Pretty depressed, yeah. I said, don't joke around. Not with airlock procedures. Sheesh, you really suck the air out of the room. You know that? Jazz. Oh, I'm sorry. Copy. Ready for decompression. I f- I, I I was keyed up for it. I forgot to laugh. That's huh. yes, well. There's a lot of humor packed in there. I you know I could read it again if you want. It's, uh, Please it's pretty do not. Sophisticated stuff. It is uh, when you read it again. Like it, maybe focus on how the whole hinges on him saying ready for depress. But is it depressurization? Because then you'd say depress, and then then he says uh, ready for decompression. So decom or decom. That was what I was hung up on when I was trying to parse out what sure. was funny here. The, the, even the <laughs> jokes that you set up, the awful jokes for the, the setups were sort of flawed when you started. To Connor, just listen. turn your brain off and just enjoy it. Just go for the ride. I it's will. Now the jokes are funny to me. I've turned my brain yeah, off. Just I, turn your brain off. So he's using the wrong words and pronouncing them wrong. And then the joke doesn't work <laughs> on the page or in your mind. Just turn your mind off and enjoy it. But if I turn my mind off, how will I understand the... Uh, the, the oh, God. Detailed welding that's about to go. <laughs> oh, you really, what? You rattle my jimmies? What? You, <laughs> that was not in the actual book. We remember that was yes, fan I know. <laughs> We've canonized other fanfic that we, we forgot <laughs> wasn't real at this point in time. Uh, but then there's more, there's more cleverness. She says, uh, he's, she's welding a, a, a hole with a skirt or something. Some might say putting a whole, huge hole in a pressure vessel is a bad idea. I have no rebuttal. So is this where so, the condom's going to come in? The, the pressurizing <laughs> that thing? Like, you never know. But she does bring out the inflatable tunnel that she used in that fire, which we said as a Chekhov's thing earlier. Um, and that's, so that, I think she's doing that to then like keep the pressure as she gets into the facility using that tunnel. And that's where the welding has to happen. Um, but mm. you, 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 saying that out loud, it doesn't sound like I'm explaining it very well. It's as good as I'm going to be able to give you folks. Yeah, all I know is that like uh, her father did a precision job mm-hmm. with welding those sheet, like some sort of skirt out. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> he did he did a good job on that. Yeah, it was the uh, sort of uh, well, why do we need this guy? Because he's the best damn welder out there. Uh, it was. I swear, there wasn't even a millimeter of space around that weld once we put it into place. Yeah, she says that. <laughs> okay, she says like. Uh, uh, a bead of molten metal formed at the tip and drabbled down, just as my dad predicted. It wicked along the gap and filled the crack. And she doesn't do an aside about tip or crack. She's slipping. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> uh, but she does say this. Uh, again, these are the references you get on the moon in 2081. 
All I had to do was cut a hole in the wall from inside the shelter, and I'd have a ghetto airlock. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you've earned the... Uh, <laughs> can you use that word? Yeah, really. <laughs> Are there uh, are there moon ghettos? You'd hope that that would not have uh, been something you'd transport from Earth along with you. Well, maybe the tourists like to go to the ghetto area. I don't know. <laughs> That's where you get your. Uh, they go to there to buy luxury bags, but then they realize they're too expensive, so they have to go to the uh, you know rough neighborhoods to buy the counterfeit uh, luxury bags. And then to they get say, their, "Why uh, did I come to the moon to do this? This is really stupid." Right to get their fake Patek Philippe watches that they uh, get on the moon. Uh, example of some of the welding. It says, when I'd worked over the harvesters earlier, I'd done my very rudimentary joins. I just needed it to hold the pressure in long enough to blow up. These joins would be a lot more complicated. The job would have been trivial for dad, but he didn't know anything about EVAs, hence our teamwork. So that's some good welding. Uh, uh, and then that's when she holds the rod of aluminum stock to the top of the skirt and set the flame to it. Um, it's just, it, it's a lot of welding, Mike. <laughs> so much welding. Uh, but there's also this, there's, you know, in between that, the snickering Beavis and Butthead stuff. Uh, here, Dale handed me my jumpsuit. I put it on faster than I'd ever put on clothes before. Well, second fastest. My high school boyfriend's parents came home earlier than expected one day. <laughs> Was that the don't, pedophile? Uh, yes. Well, don't we know her high school <laughs> boyfriend? It's the guy, right? It's Tyler. I mean, she was 17, I think, when she started dating him. So um, who knows? But, so who was the other one? And she, where was she at a house where they came home earlier? Right. I mean, like, so she left her coffin? Did mm-hmm. she leave her dad's? Did her dad know she was like, what? <laughs> And why do they come home earlier? It seems like life on the moon is pretty regimented and like there's, you know, uh, I, it, again. It, what did not, they, yeah, did they hit a deer or something? And like, well, that car's ruined. Let's get a taxi home. And no, like you're on the moon. What? <laughs> oh, and, but it's uh, right after that, it says, then he handed me his own jumpsuit. He was a big enough guy that his clothes fit over mine easily. I didn't even argue. I leapt right in. What What, what is what is there to to argue there. I, do you, I don't know. I, do. <laughs> uh, I uh, And then I, I don't have a lot because it is, it's just a bunch of welding descriptions. Yes. And aluminum. So I, I don't actually have any more notes on you, this. Well, this one's good. I was curious. Would you have bid on this in real fanfic? She pulls out the gizmo and tunes everybody in back at the home base. Uh, We're here, said Svoboda. A thought struck me. Did you watch me strip on Dale's video feed? Yep, thanks for the show. Ahem, said Dad's voice. Oh, relax, Mr. B, said Svoboda. She kept her underwear on. Still, Dad protested. All right, all right, I said. Svoboda, consider that payment for all the favors you're doing me. Would you have have thought that was real in the... uh... (laughs) I probably would not Oh, man. So, Dad, so now there has to be enough time where he probably had to, they just didn't depict him kneeling towards, bowing towards Mecca. On his uh, his custom uh, prayer rig. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I did not see you doing that, uh, Jazz. It it was time, it was the prayer call as you were in your underwear, so I did not see you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's... uh, that's payment enough for Svoboda. 
Yeah. Again, what is this guy? Like, whoa, he's drinking his carrot juice. Like, I saw a girl in her underpants. Yeah. <laughs> it's grainy video. Clearly haven't been, you know, shaving in a couple, you know, a couple weeks as I've been hiding out in a hidey hole that water drips on me from. But uh, you enjoy that, man. You, you take that to the spank bank, buddy. Also, we're, uh, we're just about to see a huge explosion of, you know, potential oxygen and all these gases and everything. Like, whoa, she got her <laughs> underwear on. <laughs> uh, at some point in time, I wrote down welding maybe the entire chapter. Uh, and that it kept, it kept going after that with sentences like, we had pressurized to 20.4 kPa instead of Artemis's standard 21. Why? Because of how double hole systems work. And then there is several paragraphs about some sort of vacuum and pressurization that is just world-building science slop, and it's incredibly dull. We don't need to focus on it. But it, it ends with, or maybe in the middle of it, this, which infuriated me. Uh, blah, 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 pressure, blah, blah, welding pressure, blah, blah, equalization. It's an elegant system. Oh, God, oh. no, it is not. Yeah. yeah. At least as described by you. Yes. It is incomprehensible and, <laughs> and ugly and horrible and makes for terrible reading. It's not elegant at all. It is not. You get terms like uh, six centimeters of aluminum, crushed regolith, confined presser vessel, oxyacetylene. Uh, it, it, it is so far from elegant that it's hilarious. <laughs> here, here we go. Uh, the regolith has a high iron content. Try not to linger in one place for too long or it might clump around the cut site. Too much of that and you'll have a very hard time pulling the plug out. So it sounded like he took a lot more advice from whoever his welding consultant was than the six women who invited him, uh, right. advised him about writing a, writing a convincing woman character. Unless there's, you know, welders listening right now, and please, yeah. it would be great if he's just like, this is nothing like how welding works. <laughs> yes. I don't know where he got this. Yeah, that would be fantastic. We'll, we'll put you on if you want to call in and, uh, and take this down step-by-step, step, welders. Yes. <laughs> uh, and that, uh, it, it's, I think it ends with her having a welding helmet on and firing up a torch. So it may have been pre-describing welding. At this point oh in time, my God. So, wow. uh, but there, there, it was spiritually a welding chapter. It, it was fully welding. <laughs> I grinned. Finally, I'd get some revenge. Time to cut a hole in Sanchez's gut. She's going in. <laughs> Sanchez looked at me like I had a dick growing out of my forehead. <laughs> oh, what in the heavens in Earth's gray moon might you be doing here? Boo, <laughs> Professor Firefly, please. Uh, let's do the uh, final chapter of this segment. <laughs> chapter 14 started with something that I I thought was maybe even him admitting he didn't know what he was talking about here. Mm-hmm. It says uh um she's she's welding. Um I picked a spot on the wall. Oh, is she? Yeah, oh, okay. it, it may come as a surprise. I picked a spot on the wall, dug in and held the torch as still as I could. The massive heat plus the steady supply of oxygen dug away at the metal, boring a deeper and deeper hole. Finally it broke through. I can't tell you how exactly I knew. I can't tell you exactly how I knew. I just knew. So it's a little, uh, you know, Ready Player Two Prince fight there that, uh, you know, him just being like, no one gives a shit about this welding. I just need to, I need to get to the point here, which he doesn't. But <laughs> yeah, then speculates maybe it's the sound, the sputter of the flame. Not sure. <laughs> okay, well, who is? Is there anyone we should ask, yeah. or does it matter? Sure. It doesn't matter. Okay, yeah. just yeah. read on. <laughs> um. And then uh, we get, to, uh, this is the uh, the weary in humor. I threw off my welding helmet and pressed the breather mask hard against my face. I sure as hell didn't want to breathe that dust. I like my lungs without barbed death particles in them. Thanks. 
Yeah, that's I wrote that down too. It, uh, I, I, I don't mean to be unkind here, but I, I used to have a term. It was called like um, I was in the college theater, mm-hmm. and there were, I, I just call it theater humor. Okay, yeah. You know where people are like, well, uh, you know, don't uh, talk to me until I've had my coffee because I'm going to be a bit of a bitch today, and it'd be <laughs> stuff like that. Like, why? <laughs> Yeah, a theater humor. Am I supposed to laugh or what? I don't know. Internety theater humor, I think, is the. Uh, if you're gonna, if you ask me, I'd rather not have shards of of glass burning my lungs. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, oh God. Okay. It's just I'll one smile and move too. on to another person. Oh. Um, uh, she goes on to reference. Uh, I, I, oh, I think he has to give her like an eye wash to get the dust out of her eyes or something like that. Yes. Um, which she compares to a ad hoc wet t-shirt contest. Oh, yes. Which is a... Uh, she contains multitudes, you know, Emily Post etiquette, t-shirt, uh, wet t-shirt contest from uh, Panama City Senior Frogs that took place in the late 90s. <laughs> sure. um, was... I don't know if I'm, I was ready. I, I called him at the ad hoc wet t-shirt line. I was like, all right, you're a dirt ball. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's fair to the author at this point, but, you know, creating a character who you give a t-shirt to and spray water on her and call it a wet t-shirt contest. I don't know, man. You're a little bit of a dirt ball. Uh, and, you know, just to, not to, not to reemphasize, but like the, the settings matter here, you know, like things, some, some things just don't warrant themselves to, to sexy time. <laughs> yes. You know, and being in this like confined thing uh, with, you know, just having, you know, your eyes like red and, and, dripping tears and stuff it's just with not something that's gonna get people up it's not uh catherine zeta jones crawling under the lasers and entrapment necessarily <laughs> <laughs> um i i think this uh there's a section coming up here that was in real or fanfic i just want to point it out again the good the bad and the oh ugly. yes please it's worth revisiting dale held up a shovel there's two kinds of people in the world those with eva suits and those who dig i snorted <laughs> Okay, first off, if we're doing the good, the bad, and the ugly, I get to be Clint Eastwood, not you. Second off, get your lazy ass to work and help me. I have to be ready to drag your sorry ass back to the rover if things go wrong. He held the shovel out to me again. Accept your inner Eli Wallach and get digging. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, terrible, and I'm sure you got that wrong in real or fanfic, but to have it come on the... In the in the context of she's just like gotten asbestos in her eye and had to like wash it out and so she's you know also you know nervous about doing all this stuff she's welding and then just to have that exchange wedged in there just like shoved in like you know stuffing a you know sleeping bag into a stuff sack kind of thing like how wedged that is into this narrative is is pretty incredible. Yeah, and and plus they're you know speaking of like Ocean's Eleven or something they're like all looking at you know watches and. The time is ticking away. Like, I've got them, but they're getting close. You know, the tension's coming. And like then, hey, we're just going to stop and do uh, <laughs> a little aside gag here about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we're going to get really specific and mention Eli Wallach. Um, I don't think we have time for that, guys. Like, yeah. we're literally on a knife's edge here. Like, no, nah, we're just going to do it. All right. Yeah, that the uh, in Ocean's Eleven they'd have that, and then you'd learn like that they had rehearsed that down to the word in order to like time it out perfectly. Like that was how they right. it was you know seventeen point eight seconds, and saying this incredibly shitty good, the bad, and the ugly back and forth dialogue is exactly how long they need to get it down to here. But here it's just uh, 
It's just something for the nerds. Right. Who, do, who don't think they deserve any better, I guess. Um, th- then you, you then do cut to essentially what the other part of the scheme is because other guys are just sitting around watching them in their underwear. But Bob, <laughs> <laughs> but Bob is off doing a diversion, essentially. Um, yes. Which involved... So uh, there's a, it's a shift change, which is a very Ocean's Eleven thing to do. I think they would rob things while a, a, a shift... The, they take the um, poker chips from the tables to the thing. They change those out. So that's when they plan their, their heist stuff. Sanchez mm-hmm. Aluminum uh, has workers come in and then they take the new ones out by the... The new ones come in, they take the old ones out by a train. So he's essentially holding up the train so that they can... Um, get some time before these new workers arrive. And she says, uh, Sanchez aluminum charged Sanchez aluminum employees to ride a Sanchez aluminum train to the Sanchez aluminum smelter. Your basic 1800 style company store bullshit. (laughs) Again, there hasn't been anything that's come up since then. (laughs) It's also shocking that this mob run company is not doing things, you know, ethically or on the up and up. That's yes. um, this, This distresses me that they don't care about their workers. Uh, and in the middle of that, we had a small discussion about this. Maybe I'm getting this wrong. I just don't understand this. So, listeners, please help. A weird gag in the middle of all this is uh, Bob and the train operator. Uh, he says, "Hey, we gotta, you know, we're doing this thing." He makes up a, you know, something. We gotta check something. So, hold the train. She's like, "Oh no!" And then he says, "Sorry about this." Bob said, "Let me make it up to you." I've got three tickets to the Artemis Acrobats show at the Playhouse. They're yours. Take your husbands out and have a good time. And that's that's it. That's Mer- the only I, yeah. th- that I can tell. That's the only reference to it. He's talking to the train conductor Mirza. These are yes. the only three mentions of Mirza in this. You know, within the uh, two paragraphs that had this action unfold. And yeah, so just to, Mirza to, has to read two it again. Yeah, let me make it up to you. I've got three tickets to the Artemis Acrobat shows at the Playhouse. They're yours. Take your husbands out and have a good time. And it's... uh, I read it, and I was like, oh, maybe he's just telling the other employees. But no, he's giving three tickets to one person saying, take your husbands out. So a more more horrible world building? Why why don't we get the aside here? Like, we're pretty relaxed about how many (laughs) partners you can marry on the moon here. Unless you, you get know, too what many, with the uh, conservative Jews and the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the very yeah, strict I, I, guilds I, I, that like have like you know run things. They, uh. right. but yeah, it's a uh, we we're pretty loosey goosey with marrying multiple people. Uh, uh, you know, I don't. The Mormons tend to be the uh, acrobats, so that's the uh, that's that's where they uh, that's where they. <laughs> right. I don't. It's bizarre. Uh, yeah, a bizarre. Uh, usually his. You know, heavy scare quotes again. Jokes are uh, surrounded by explanatory, you know, sentences. This one just sits there oddly like, oh, okay. All right. I'll let that one slide. <laughs> and it's, it's, she did say, I think at some point in time, so this could have been a, uh, some hang time on this, but she did like enthuse about the acrobat show that was like the one thing on the moon that she was still into. Um, being like, if you've never seen zero G acrobats before, you should really, you know, do, do yourself the favor. So that, oh, right. that's how good this Artemis acrobat show at the playhouse in where tickets cost 3000 slugs a piece. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, then what do we get? Um, 
Oh, uh, we get a turn to the camera moment. Oh, my God. You know, after all of her her idioms, you know, about Emily Post and all of this oh. and, uh, you know, the Marx Brothers and everything. Yep. Uh, uh, was, who says, was it? The uh, Buster Keaton? Buster Keaton. He wasn't going to fall for my Buster Keaton boy. <laughs> Um, I'd found the compartment's pressure sensor during the dig a hole to China phase of the operation. And here's the turn to the camera. Yes, that idiom still applies on the moon. I felt like I just dug a 384,000 kilometer hole. That's in parentheses, that, those last in two In parentheses, sentences. yes, indeed. The, uh, so, so he finally realized, like, you know, if I'm going to be shoveling these really, really old dad things at people from the, you know, dad things from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, maybe I should, uh, yeah, I'll give them a little parenthetical about why I said it here. And does that strike you as something the editor made him put in? Like, the, remember, the editor is the same guy who edited, you know, all of Klein's books. Did, did, was this, the, you know, the straw that was like this fur, this further and no further? Like, I, uh, That could be. That's a good point. <laughs> maybe it is. Oh, man. Like, uh, uh, yeah, that just uh, speechless at this point in time that, that stuff like that keeps coming up. And <laughs> uh, but so essentially what they uh, what she's doing is tunneling into this facility where the workers are waiting to board the train because the new ones are not coming. And she says, like, you know, oh, you don't think a bunch of nebbish control room nerds would do something like that? Think again. Someone at Sanchez tried to kill me with the harvester, remembered. So in the middle of digging a hole to China aside, she does remind you that people will try to kill her if they catch her here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and we get one more of the, uh, I think maybe this is before that, when she's getting into the inner hall. Again, I have no concept of where she is, what space is, what the, how, you know, whatever. Uh, I didn't have a choice on the outer hull, but as a rule, I prefer flesh boilingly hot metal to fall away from me. Again, theater humor. Coming I, I don't know. Strong. That's I think that's probably the the thirty sixth time they've pretty much done that joke. I'm starting to come around to it. I think it was like Are one you? of those gags, like where you do it enough and it starts to yeah. be not funny than funny again. I, yep. I, yep. I'm a theater. You laugh humor at guy first, now. then you stop and go. Really, this is still going on. Then you're like, yeah, all right, they wore me down. This is good. <laughs> Uh, when she does get in, she sees the control room. There's large glass windows with the staff going about their workday, um, which just sounds like a nice variety of 80s dance moves description there. Some sat at computers where others walked around with tablets. There you go. That's their workday. But there was one woman who was clearly in charge. People came to her, spoke briefly, and she gave quick answers. That's a boss. I estimated her age at around 50, and she had a Latino complexion. Hmm. Uh, she turned to speak to someone, and finally I saw her face. It was Loretta Sanchez. I recognized her from the pictures I'd seen online while researching the company. I'm glad he clarified how recognizing people works. That's, a, uh, <laughs> that's, that's something an alien might need explained to them. I, was, uh, I did like the sentence. I estimated her age at around 50, comma, and she had a Latino complexion. <laughs> that's just good prose ladies and gentlemen that's good stuff it is and i would uh i don't know we're not going to do this as a contest but send us a picture of what a uh, latino complexion is i just need to (laughs) i I need to know what what is the down the middle thing here that he's referring to because you know i I feel like you could get some variance in there (laughs) Uh, i've learned a lot about ukrainians and koreans i mean i'm just being we're put to school here on this the irish uh vat minders 
Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, it's all the moon, and they all have decided that they don't need an age of consent. That's what's important. <laughs> uh, but the other employees there were just people. No horns or black capes, no cackling with steepled fingers, just a bunch of working schmoes. So remember, you'll remember that uh, Tron had also steepled his fingers. That's just He did, yes. <laughs> um, and uh, the next step is she releases a bottle of pure chlorine gas into the air. Uh, yes. so that, that escalates quickly. Uh, Which I think is supposed to be, like, that's supposed to be the exciting thing. Like, ha-ha, you didn't expect this, but it's one of those things where... Like, wait, what is this? And then it's explained. Oh, I guess I should have explained. Um, uh, we we did that because that set off an alarm and that caused the you know workers to go away. Like, oh, oh okay. Thank, thank you for bringing up a thing I never would have thought of. Uh, it did not make me tense or anything, but then explaining it away immediately. Like, <laughs> right. There was yeah. nothing in advance about it where you're like, oh, God, I hope she's able to get the chlorine release. She just does it and then goes, oh, the reason I did this, well, here. Right. Or uh, Svoboda says, like, now open up that tank. She opens it up. Wait, Svoboda, what the hell is this? That's chlorine gas. You're going to, like, oh, my God, I could die. Like, no, it's just it, you do it. Mm-hmm. That then causes the workers to uh, flee onto the train because the alarm sounds. So then everyone is on the train, uh, and she's able to do this for free. I mean, uh, without interruption because um, no one's going to be in there when it's flooded with gas. Right. Uh, <laughs> I like this one too because I think you could tell he was resisting a, a lot of um, tendencies. Maybe the editor uh, drew a line in the sand. I pulled the welding equipment and my duffel into the pit with me. Once again, I would be welding upward. Sigh. I just and I thought it took all his power not to write lay sigh in his uh, in his <laughs> in his mid uh, mid odd internet text. Uh, that one continues in a, uh, oh, an, an, I just have a note by it that um, I, I just wrote, my God, I hate him. <laughs> uh, once again, I would be welding upward sigh. And this time I was joining to steel. I was joining steel to steel with steel rods as stock. So in case it wasn't clear, steel, yay. <laughs> oh, Truly bad. And it keeps going. Uh, he says, any molten steel that would hit me would just defigure me for life instead of killing me. So I had that going for me. I got to work. I stayed well to the side as I joined the plate to the underbody. I admit I lost the beat a few times, sending a f- blob of flaming death to the ground, which you said four sentences before that it would only just disfigure you instead of killing you. So the flaming blob of death is not a uh, really in play here. But essentially what she's doing is wielding a uh, a, a wielding shut a copper plug that would act as a fail-safe valve that keeps the tank from exploding if it gets too hot because it says, like, that would melt first. It would release everything in there, and so it wouldn't explode. And she proves this by turning to the camera again and saying, don't believe me? Put ice water in a saucepan and cook it. The the water temperature will stay at zero degrees Celsius until the last ice cube melts. So I think that's a good challenge for every author out there is just put random Mr. Wizard experiments into the middle of your book and just, you know, imply that the author has done them in fifth grade science class or something. Um, And in case people, you know, if you're not reading along and you just think that we're making up the welding thing, think of your favorite action movie or script, whatever you want. This is supposed to be action. And I'm going to give you a little taste of what we have to get through. I wasn't sure what grade of steel the smelter walls were made of, but most grades melt at 
at or below 1450 degrees Celsius. So just to be safe, my plate and stock rods were grade 416 with a melting point of 1530 Celsius. The smelter would melt before my patch would. The patch was thin, so you'd think it would melt first, but physics doesn't work. And it goes on. So yeah. I, I challenge you not to, uh, to to read that and to take that as some sort of a, wow, uh, that, that's exciting. It's, uh, you know, perhaps he had a welding buddy who was down on his work. You know, they closed down the factory. Andy Weir calls him up and he's like, hey. Simon and Schuster just cut me a you know seven figure advance for the sequel to The Martian, and you know you know what, buddy? I said I owed you, and I'm cutting you in. You're my welding consultant, so I can you know get funnel fifty uh, k your way if you just advise me on some of this nonsense. We've got to make it in there, and you know I'm doing you a solid, man. I'm going to put a lot of welding, <laughs> and also you know so we, you said your favorite action movie. We've done a ton of movies. We just did Cobra. The one I mentioned with the parking, I can't remember what it was. They all end up in big uh, foundries or smelting plants um, mm-hmm. because it's, you know, there's like chains and there's like fires. Guys are sweating up. There's never anyone actually in there doing smelting. Uh, that's not what makes it <laughs> exciting. It's just a good setting for things. So I think yes. he, he missed the lesson in these uh, like 80s and 90s action movies that all end up in a foundry for some reason. Terminator 2, <laughs> you know, you can descend into the molten lava. You don't actually have to do any uh, any welding there. No, no, nor do they ever like stop and look at the camera and mention the temperatures of the metal they're about yeah. to lower the uh, death robot into. The grade of stock rods. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, my other question about the whole thing was that no one is uh, no one is saying like, hey, the place that got sabotaged less than a week ago now is a very suspicious chlorine gas leak. Like, yes. let's all just run onto the train type of thing. They didn't even prepare for that eventuality. It's pretty amazing. Uh, but so the, your pulse is pounding because uh, they did it. They somehow they disabled the the smelter, and boy, oh boy, now those mobsters are you know they're on the flight to the moon. They're going, oh, I'm just going to get on a return flight and go back. The smelters, like, what's the point? I mean, there's nothing we can do. There's a contract with the 16 year old, so we're done. <laughs> so that's uh, that's taken care of. But then. Oh my God, it's all going well, right? Everything is good. Uh, The hatch had a small round window. I drew closer to it and looked through. There, inspecting equipment along the far wall of the smelter bubble, comma, was Loretta Sanchez. I put both hands on my head. Dale, we have a problem. Loretta Sanchez. <laughs> I, I I guess you looked her up on the company website once. Well, that's and, it. And she came up with us. She came up with the FFC Cambridge process. <laughs> well, isn't that the person she recognized as the Latino complexion? Yes, she's fifty and has a Latino complexion. But I I just don't understand. I mean, I, I guess they're you know they they don't want to kill someone. I just thought it was funny that <laughs> yes. that person was. You know, it's like the uh, Larry King story or something, you know, like tell a whole story about someone. Then he went to school and, uh, you know, in 1950, he founded one of the most famous companies in the world. And that man was Bronson Pinchot. (laughs) That's something where you go, wait, what? (laughs) This is that moment for me. Like, oh, my God, there's there's someone there. Someone's inspecting equipment along the it's Loretta Sanchez. (laughs) It does, you know, for a town of 2000, it does 
draw in uh, new characters whenever they're needed to be uh, sure. new named characters. It would have been funny if it was uh, uh, William Hartnell or whatever, the owner of Bucky's Pub. Oh, yeah. Uh, Billy, <laughs> owner of Hartnell's Pub. <laughs> Oi, this chlorine gas can give you quite a buzz. I was just coming in here to make a new kind of bourbon. <laughs> the steel walls are the exact shape one needs to pressurize the bourbon distilleries. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's the end of the chapter. I, the, the only other point I wanted to mention was uh, when she um, hurries to a thermal control box, unscores four bolts, and took the access panel off. I yanked out the thermocouple management board and replaced <laughs> produced a replacement board for my duffel. Spoboda had spent the previous evening piecing it together. Pretty simply, actually. It acted just like the normal board, but it would lie to the computer about the bath temperature always reporting it low. That was when I said, like, you know, I, I saw that someone had the film rights to this. Good luck with the uh, thermocouple uh, regulator board replacement scene. That's that's my <laughs> wish to them. It's really going to confuse Loretta Sanchez when she walks in the door. Oh, and speaking of, I think I mentioned on, uh, and I'll, I'll plug our Patreon now because we did a uh, a mailbag and uh, discussed this on a Patreon. So go to go our to the Patreon. Uh, yeah, go to the Patreon and sign up, and you'll hear that stuff. But I mentioned a, a short that we did where a kid just counts to ten like a hundred times. <laughs> this is a little flavor of that here. I watched Svoboda's board. Soon the actual temperature clicked up to nine hundred and one degrees. Then, in far less time, it rose to nine hundred and two. <laughs> then directly to nine hundred and four. Where's he going with this? Then 909. I'm not kidding. That's what it says. That's a uh, action set piece. Wow. Uh, well, I mean, you know, they, the numbers are ticking up. Uh, someone's inspecting uh, regulator boards. It leaves off at the uh, the cliffiest of cliffhangers here. LCD readouts, 825 degrees Celsius. Loretta Sanchez. I mean, what more could you people want? Uh, will there be more uh, stock rod grading? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> oh, and the exciting conclusion. Uh, no no real or fanfic next. I'm done. I know. Yes, we'll have yeah, to. I'm happy about that. I think uh, Lucas maybe is a guy that uh, does your statistics. We'll see if he writes in this time or for the last episode. He usually does. We'll okay. see. Well, uh, I think we have a little time. Let's do a few emails. We're going to the party. We're going to the game. We're going to the dinner. And going to cruise out, man. We're stealing people's mail. All right. We have a lot of emails that are people, I mean, taking exception with this. So I think if there is a, a welder, he'll probably write in because it seems like everything else that Andy Weir has mentioned <laughs> is essentially wrong. But before that, let's do some positive news. This is good. This is from Jenny. Unrelated to dumb sentences, I had to write and say thank you, guys. 372 Pages has had no small part to remind me of the joy of reading and writing fiction and of deconstructing prose, good or bad, in the past few years. I have an undergraduate degree in creative writing, but completely fell off the writing wagon after graduating nearly 20 years ago. Since becoming a 372 Pages jackal, I've written and am currently revising my first novel and just found out I was accepted to an NF MFA program to start in the fall. So thank you. That's oh, a, wow. That's a success story. That is very... That is positive news i like that yeah good luck with that jenny i hope you're yeah. uh i hope you're not going back and adding welding into your novel uh after <laughs> after all of this <laughs> i'm gonna write the good she... welding novel yeah she couldn't help it like i'm, I'm gonna fix what he did wrong <laughs> and her instructor is like we've made a huge mistake <laughs> uh, 
This one's from Piper. It says, uh, "This is we sort of touched on this, but listening to the pop culture references and things like Artemis and RP1 always annoy me. Not because of the pandering. Not o- Sorry, not only because of the pandering, but because it seems pop culture died exactly up to our time frame and there was no other references points invented in the future. I guess media stopped being made. Like, for instance, for a book set in 2080, they should be referencing the 12-season run of Bernie and the Glorps. From 2042 to 2054, <laughs> there should be lines like, it was just like that episode of Bernie and the Glorps with the goose, and then no explanation of the context if being accurate to how they treat our pop culture time references. Yeah, yeah. I agree 100%. And, and, you know, catchphrases that we would not know, yeah. you know, spoken by... You, you know, really glorp that one, Bernie! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I suppose we would probably make fun of that, too, if they did. But I, I wish they'd, they'd uh, take the risk. Uh, well, there's probably a good version of it. I don't know. I yes. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Something that doesn't hold the listener's hand every step of the way. This one is from Arthur. Uh, he says, uh, you were discussing a uh, action scene in which Jazz jumps up to the ceiling, which makes me wonder how on earth she was able to do that. He says, wait, don't roll your eyes. I know about the one-six gravity thing. Weaver has made that abundantly clear. The problem I have noticed is that the thing about gravity, he harps on slightly less about the fact she's lived on the moon since she was six and was so now is so acclimated to it that if she ever went back to Earth, she'd seriously struggle due to the gravity being six times stronger than she's used to. He says, given that six years old is a fairly young time when it, age when it comes to someone's physical development, and given that in real life, even astronauts who grew into adulthood on Earth need to take care to avoid muscular atrophy when doing month-long stints on the ISS, you'd think that one of the consequences of jazz growing up on Artemis would be severe muscular weakness by the standards of Earth gravity. Uh, not as bad as if she'd been in zero-G, but certainly noticeable, especially given the time span involved and her tender age when she went to the moon. That being the case, why is she able to do all these fantastical jumps at all when surely that would be the purview of the hated tourists? To come to the moon fresh from Earth. Maybe she'd be able to maintain Earth's standard musculature with a really carefully observed exercise regime, but Weir's depiction of her doesn't suggest that level of personal discipline. And my understanding is that astronauts in low gravity still suffer some wastage even with regular exercise. Certainly, it should have been much harder than it was for her to shove Lefty out of the way if he's an Earther sent to Artemis on a mission from an organized crime syndicate. And since the narration makes such a big deal out of the gravity problem she'd have on Earth, it feels like the ship has almost certainly sailed on her actually having normal muscular development and therefore ordinary levels of strength and agility. And anyway, congratulations to Weir for narrating his way into a plot hole thanks to his incessant harping on about the gravity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciated the reference to, uh, and uh, here comes a language warning, it's Andy Weir's word, uh, the one word, his reference to rich fucks. Oh, those rich fucks. Oh, those right? muscular rich fucks. <laughs> yeah. With their rippling muscles. Have you seen them in their underwear? <laughs> uh, here's another one. Uh, Chris says, I was curious about the whole business of Tron's disabled daughter who could use crutches on the moon rather than a wheelchair. The Venn diagram of someone who's physically disabled and been to the moon is pretty much non-existent, but the next best thing is asking a friend of mine who's in a wheelchair. She said that while it would be possible, you'd get exhausted very quickly. All the weight would be on your arms and back rather than your rear. You'd need to balance yourself constantly due to your legs not being able to move, yet still moving around from momentum, which would only be exacerbated by the low gravity. With a wheelchair, you can keep your legs strapped down and generally helps with the fact that there's a large part of you you can't use. Unless the character had her legs amputated which she didn't being on the moon wouldn't help her mobility at all 
explaining this scenario to my friend was very amusing and she agreed that Jazz is a terrible person. I think I ended up going above and beyond any sort of research Andy Weir has done just by asking a friend their opinion. I'm pretty sure she didn't consult with anyone about how anything in this book should or could work. The moon and space in general isn't friendly to physical illness or disability. Given all the dangers, the moon just adds more problems than solutions. I write stories and world building for several science fiction projects, so picking this apart has been more educational to me than others, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Andy Weir consulted with six women to mm -hmm. come up with a character of jazz. So, you know, let's give her give him, give him credit. credit. Yes, yeah. yeah, you don't want to gloss over their, uh, their contributions. Uh, this one is from McLean. Amid the discussion over the quality of Andy Weir's writing in The Martian versus Artemis, I figured I'd give you my experience with The Martian. Uh, I never read the book itself, but was introduced the same way I was introduced to Ready Player One. That is, I saw a friend in high school reading it and forgot all about it till it was turned into a major award-winning movie several years later. Uh, but I do remember one line from the book while skimming the library copy of The Martian. It was our main character in the midst of his interplanetary adventure musing about Aquaman, saying something to the effect of, Why is he called Aquaman if he controls fish? It makes no sense. I did watch the movie when it came out. I remember being very okay. It was hard to be too invested in the story when it was obvious Matt Damon was going to make it back to Earth safely. I recall one singular line from the movie after Matt Damon uses the escaping air from a hole in his spacesuit to propel himself. He says, I got to fly around like Iron Man. Even as a teenager still actively consuming Marvel movies at this time, I still felt insulted by the movie. So while I don't remember much about the Booker movie to this day, the only two things that struck out to me about The Martian are references to Aquaman and Iron Man. It's safe to say the drop in quality from The Martian to Artemis may not be as extreme as, extreme as other people say. Wow. <laughs> so this person remembers him going Jerry Seinfeld in, in the middle of The Martian? I guess so. Um, I mean, oh, Why do they call him... He's, he controls water, but they're calling him Aquaman, but it's fish. Uh, it does seem like a, uh, it doesn't even seem like a very good bit. He's Aquaman, he, but he lives underwater. Like, I mean, sure, he controls, I don't know, he controls fish. It's, Isn't it famously uh, Quentin Tarantino uh, rewrote, uh, what is it, like, Red, not Red Dawn, um, the, the submarine movie with uh, uh, Hunt for Hunter, Red October. Hunt for Red October, and uh, just put in, like, comic book references and got paid like three million dollars oh, wow. i think there's uh, one guy stops another guy like look we're stuck in this iron tub just like uh you know comic book reference a was stuck in comic <laughs> book reference b wow i didn't realize it just that. like sticks out it is terrible and someone told me i was like what is that thing about comic books in the middle of on for red october <laughs> oh that was quentin tarantino did a rewrite on it like, wow well that's pretty amazing i always yeah. thought that was a very like you know serious adult movie with sean connery so. right oh all right let's uh let's see let's do one more email um <laughs> this will do with an, and ending on another positive note this is from alex i had to take an unexpected trip to the hospital this week i got stuck in the hell of waiting not knowing what my diagnosis was sitting around with a drip in my arm and getting multiple injections I, trust me this gets positive all while stuck next to somebody who legitimately sounded like mike's nick nolte voice fortunately i had a couple of episodes loaded on my tablet to listen to which helped me laugh away the pain and anxiety at the same time just reading the post on the 372 pages Discord was also a great way to pass the time and bring a smile to my face. Thank you both for the podcast and the jackals who keep it going. I hope everything is good, Alex. Hope you got some good news. Oh, yeah. Well, we didn't hear the end of that. Is he, is he okay? <laughs> There's no, not been no follow-up email. So Okay. Uh, well, we'll, yes. we'll hope for the best for him. Yes, maybe the, uh, yeah. Um, well, let's finish with dumb sentences. 
A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is Dumb big, Sentences of the Week, big. again, a supported sentence. by our, uh, our our beloved Patreon supporters, submitted by our beloved Patreon supporters. This first one is from Amanda. I didn't pick up on this one. This is good. Since they were a private company, parentheses, owned by Santiago Holdings, Inc., which I assume was Brazilian for O Palacio. And she said, one Brazilian is not a language, even two, even if it were, wouldn't it be that O Palacio is Brazilian for Santiago Holdings, Inc., since the latter clearly contains English words? Three, has she never seen anything translated before? Why would the name disappear in the translation? Four, is all of the above tongue-in-cheek, and this is supposed to be funny? If so, that is worse. Uh, I felt the exact same thing. I thought that was supposed to be funny, and and that made me... It was also one of those wince moments, like, ugh. <laughs> oh. uh, Claire did the next one. I estimated her at around age 50, and she had a Latino complexion. Uh, uh, she says uh, Latino encompasses over a dozen countries in every skin color humans can have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Harrison says, uh, I was pretty sexy, I have to admit. Q flat cap Andy Weir dot JPEG. Uh, there you go. Yep. He says, I, he also said, I've taken more notes for this section than any book I've read for the past two years. I've been a Patreon supporter. This book is terrible. I miss Cinnamon Peters. At least her dumb was funny. <laughs> Devastating. That's quite a slam. <laughs> John submitted, fine lunar dust gets everywhere and sticks to everything with the slightest charge. This is what Anakin Skywalker would say if you grew up on the moon instead of a desert with sand. Uh, oh, Hayden submitted the one about being a teenage girl glued to her phone, not Gizmo. Mike submitted, I don't know the details. I'm not a tech person. And they said, copy paste this in place of every over-explained technical detail in the book, and what's left is a haiku. <laughs> uh, Janelle submitted, I noshed on a gunk bar and opened his mini fridge and added, said the robot print disdainfully. <laughs> uh, Mike T submitted, you can't smell smelt without melt. Uh, Ryan submitted, I wanted to pass out and punch someone at the same time and said, here the author precisely describes my minute to minute experience of reading this book. Chap, I didn't, I didn't pick up on this one and I still don't really know what it means, but Chap submitted, how's tricks, T-R-I-C-K-S. And that's evidently a, uh, a line like slang from the jazz era or something. Yeah, that's really old. <laughs> I did not pick up on that. How's tricks? Yeah. So Vloda, I think, comes back in and says that to her. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I once said to my, um, I once said, I had a British uh, agent. He, like, lived in the UK, lived in London. And he, we used to, uh, I emailed him to say, um, we were supposed to have a call or something. And I said, hey, what's the deal? And then he wrote back to me this long thing, like, what which deal are you referring to exactly? I, I have so many deals that he wrote me a long email. I just called him like, "Hey, hey, Peter, Peter!" No, no, I was just like, "What's going on?" He had never heard that before. Wow, I thought it was very funny. How's tricks? Uh, it reminds me of that. Like someone would go, "What? What tricks? What are you talking about?" Let alone a Ukrainian guy on the moon in 2080. Yeah. Kevin submitted, "Hey, did you try out the condom yet?" He asked. That's just an old-fashioned dumb sentence. <laughs> Justin submitted, so now I was a mud-covered freak with random shit taped to my face. <laughs> uh, Harris submitted, uh, because if you don't, you'll make your own company, undercut their prices with your free power, and bankrupt them. So that's him also just drilling down on the uh, business acumen of the uh, 16-year-old 
girl regarding the mob. And then the last one was submitted by Craig, Elliot, and John covered earlier. The knife floated down to the floor. Um, I had two. Well, I'll just say I, I'm going to go with the classic, the, the, just the, the standout. You just you really need to learn about women and how to interact with them. All right. <laughs> I think it's, it says a lot and it stands on its own. Uh, well, mine has already been pulled out already, and I'm going to break a rule and read two sentences. Wow. Te- technically. I just so qualified th- a all- couple because of the two-sentence rule this week. I flopped back onto the bed and sighed on a scale from one to invade Russia in winter. How stupid is this plan? <laughs> I just wanted to point that out again. That's a sentence in a book. So, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to finish this thing. Let's finish it up. I'm excited. Will there be more welding? We have a cat fight. Chekhov's condom. A lot to <laughs> a lot to look forward to. Uh, thanks for everyone who's reading. And uh, yeah, check out the Patreon. We, we're doing some fun stuff there. So, yeah, um, thank you, everybody. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Bye.